You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field team. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Go for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso. He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. I cannot believe I'm saying this. I wasn't sure if I'd ever say this in 2020. Happy opening day. How great is this? This is one of the greatest days of my life. I have missed baseball like you wouldn't believe. I've missed you, the fans. I've missed these A's players. I've missed Bob Melvin. I've missed talking to Dave Cavill and David Forrest on a regular basis. We're finally getting our lives back. Well, at least for Cody and I. Cody, happy opening day. I'm glad we finally made it. It's... Not that I didn't want to watch. I didn't enjoy watching Gabe Kapler use nine pitchers in back-to-back days in exhibition oh, games. God. And uh, watching the, the Yankees and, and uh, Nationals last night was a good game. Get, I told you, no complete games are going to happen in 2020. We saw two last night uh, thanks to the range-shortened game. So that uh, prediction has uh, been blown up. So that's already gone. But I, I'm, I'm excited to get this started for, for the A's, for, for Major League Baseball. My beloved Pirates play today, but who cares? They're going to be terrible. So – it's all or nothing for the A's right now, and I can't wait to get it started tonight with Mike Trout in town. So I'm very excited. The 53rd season in Oakland. The A's have won 16 American League West titles, four AL wild cards, six AL pennants, and four world championships. They finished spring training 13 and 10, and this is the shortest season since the previous low where everybody got in 109 back in 1981, the strike-shortened season. And here we go. I mean, you don't even have time to blink and this thing's going to be over. It's 60 games. You cannot start slow. But things have changed a little bit, and we will get into that. But we have an outstanding lineup to get you ready for a little A's baseball coming up against the Angels. And we'll keep you updated on everything going around the league. Our old friend, now the bench coach, a World Series champion with the A's, Mike Gallego, will join us at 3.30. The guy starting at second base tonight, and, you know, he's he, he, he's, he's going to make it tough to keep, to keep him out of the lineup and and kind of forcing Bob Melvin's hand right now. Chad Pender will be with us at 4 o'clock. At 4.30, Dave Cavill, the president of your Oakland Athletics, will be here. Bob Melvin, the skipper, as I told you, 
We're going to get the Bob Melvin show going again. It'll be on at 5 o'clock today. And then David Force, the general manager show, will be at 5.30. So Gallego at 3.30, Pinder at 4, Cavill at 4.30, Melvin at 5, and Forrest at 5.30. It's been 296 days since the A's last played a game, and we remember what a disaster that was. That was the wild card game against the Rays. But now you got the Angels. The Angels come into town. Let's get it on. Cannot wait. You know for the A's. I was reading this in the game notes. They have opened at home so many times. It's unbelievable. I think I want to say there are the last 11 they've opened at home. Did I see that correctly, Commander, in the game notes? I have to pull open the game notes. I know we got them. I haven't got a chance to read them yet. But it seems like the last few years at least, the A's have been opening either at home or in Japan. What's well, Japan last year. But it feels like prior to this year, it was every year it was against the Mariners and, and uh, Felix Hernandez. But uh, this year, in this year, and I think, what was it, two years ago, was the Angels. Uh, even the home opener last year was against the Angels. So, uh, I'll pull up the game and see if I can find that, too. But it seems like every opening day recently has been at the Coliseum, yes. Yeah, it's uh, – I, you know what the problem is, folks, is we can't print the game notes. It's not like we normally have the game notes in front of us. I get to highlight everything. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's all on your computer now, and it's much tougher to read on your computer. But, you know, a lot of uh, opening days for the athletics in Oakland – and the one thing that I want everybody to be a part of this, because it is really, really cool. I want you to be part of our cutouts. Right now, we found out from Dave Cavill, and you'll hear this later, that we lead all of Major League Baseball in cardboard cutouts. And they're raising a lot of money for the community fund. So whether you want to have you your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, son, daughter, dog, cat. Everybody's given some type of picture, and we're putting you up. We found out today, and this is hilarious, way up on Mount Davis, and Steve Finelli, give him a lot of credit too, and his staff, but way up in Mount Davis, they're putting visiting fans, cardboard cutouts. So there's like Astros fans, Giants fans. I mean, this thing's hilarious. Go to athletics.com slash cutouts. That's athletics.com slash cutouts and get your cutout inside the Coliseum. And then, of course, Stephen Piscotti, his area. If a foul ball lands in that area and uh, on your seat, around your seat, you're going to get the baseball. Super cool stuff. Athletics.com slash cutouts. I'm also really curious to see what our post-game show is going to be like. A's talk. Because every single win is like winning 2.7 games. Every single loss is like losing 2.7 games. These games, it's more like a football season. These games mean so much. It's so different than what we have seen in the past. And Frankie Montas is going to get the ball. And Frankie, last time we saw Frankie on the mound, he looked fabulous. 
September 25th. He got a no decision, allowing one run in six innings and in a 3-2 win by the A's over the Angels. And that's one thing that we talked with, with Ray Fossey about. Like the first guy out of the gate, we were talking about DeGrom. DeGrom left like in the fifth inning. Can you imagine facing someone like DeGrom or Verlander or Scherzer or Cole or Frankie Montas on opening day? I mean, you, you just got a few at-bats in at summer camp, and now you're facing a dude throwing 98 to 100 miles an hour with that wicked split finger. Uh, that's how you want to start your season out? That's no day at the beach. Let's look at the active streaks going into this season. Uh, Lurie Garcia and David Dahl both have a 10-game hit streak. Kevin Biggio, did, I, did you know this, uh, Cody? Longest active on base streak, Gavin Kevin Biggio, son of the Hall of Famer, Craig Biggio. He's, got, he's been on base 29 straight games. I would have assumed it would have been Bo Bichette because he had that incredible start to his career last year, and it seemed like every other time we were talking about the Baby Jays last year, it was Bo Bichette doing something, not Kevin Biggio, not Gurriel, not um, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. It, it was Bo Bichette, but the, I'm not surprised. I mean, his dad's – he got the lineage. His dad's a Hall of Famer, 3,000 hits. He got on base a lot, so I could – I could see it, but I, I'm surprised by that. Yes. Okay, so I, I don't know about the Biggio family. Uh, is this one of those where every kid gets named with a C? I don't know. What they, I don't know what his other kids' names. Are. I guess we'll have to research Biggio's kids' names. I, I'm not going to. I'm just wondering. You know, Craig Biggio, Kevin Biggio. Uh, he, leader in the clubhouse for most scoreless innings heading into this year is. Jacob DeGrom at 23, and what did he throw today? Five to make it 28 straight scoreless innings for Mr. Cy Young, Jacob DeGrom. And there are a lot of bold predictions going on where uh, I got my guys from MLB Network. You got someone says the Padres will finally throw a no-hitter. Aaron Judge will hit 25 home runs. Twins win the World Series. Josh Hader is the NL Cy Young Award. Winner, Casey Mize is the American League Rookie of the Year. Shohei Otani will be the AL MVP. Anything goes, we don't know. We don't know what 20, what, what 60 games is going to be like. We actually have no clue. And now, probably the coolest thing, if you haven't heard it, is the fact that we're going to have the expanded playoffs, which I think is great. Why not? I think what I, I I think the biggest thing about this is not only it puts more teams in, that's obvious, more teams get a chance to try and win the World Series, but to me, what it does, it, it's gonna keep us from having that log jam at the end of the year where we got a bazillion tiebreakers. So that is something that I'm happy we are not going to see. I'm trying to look in the notes they have. You do have it on our notes explain how it's going to work? Yeah, it's in the uh, second segment there. Uh, you mentioned all, all the stuff that's happening, and you, last night we saw John Carlos Stanton hit a home run. Oh. I, I wanted to get this in. While the Mets have a new home run leader of the year, let's take a listen to who it is. Cespedes all for two in his return. 
And he drives one deep left field, headed back toward the wall. That ball is out of here. You win assessments more than two years on the sidelines. He's back with a home run. And the Mets lead it one nothing in the seventh. So there it is. Good for him. Yo, as I said, I asked you the question, of, what, a week ago? Will Ioannis Cespedes lead the Mets in home runs? You laughed at me. I scoffed at you. Laughed. Whatever. It could happen. Polar Bear not looking good in this game today. Ioannis Cespedes. <laughs> that was a moonshot home run, too. You couldn't see it, but he, was a, he crushed that ball. Are, are you panicking over Scherzer already? Uh, I was. I mean, he had 11 strikeouts, but it's never too soon to hit the old... He gave up seven but, runs in the exhibition game, too. He's struggling. It's time to is – it, is it over for Mad Max? I, I mean, is he, is, he, is, he, is he looking at retirement? Is that where we're at? But well, trust me, there's going to be a lot of panicking. Just get ready. Because the old, hey, it's early, yeah, we, we don't have that. You get out to a bad start right out of the gate, people are going to panic. This is fascinating. All right, so the agreement between MLB and the Players Association, they did it right. They had to do it right before first pitch, so they got it done. The postseason expands to 16 games. The higher seeds in the wild card series will host all three games. The top three seeds in each league will go to the Divisional winners, East, Central, West, in order of record. The next three seeds, four, five, and six, will go to the teams that finish in second place in their division in order of record. And the final two seeds, seven and eight, will go to the two teams with the best records, regardless of division and division standings. Get it? That's what we got. More than half the league is going to make the playoffs. Major League Baseball now will look like the NBA, and it will look like the NHL. And what have we seen in the NHL? Haven't seen it in the NBA. I still believe the Houston Rockets. Remember, I haven't been covering baseball, I mean basketball for a couple of years. But I believe the Houston Rockets, back with Akeem Olajuwon, when they won it back-to-back years when Jordan was playing baseball because supposedly he was burned out, which I still don't buy that. Um, I believe the Rockets are the lowest seed ever to win the NBA Finals. Is that correct? It's a good trivia question. Let's find out because I know in the NHL, the LA Kings were the A seed, what was that, six or seven years ago, and they won the Stanley Cup. Sharks fans remember. So you've got eight teams in the in the American League, and you've got eight teams in the National League. This is anybody's game. There is no favorite. When you start playing, this is a tournament. You know how many times the best team doesn't win the tournament? What do you got? Oh, it's the Rockets. You're right. 95. Well, what, what, what seed were they? Um, I know they were forty-seven and thirty-five. Uh, let's see, it just it was pulling. It just had like a little the write-up. 
It doesn't say the, they became the lowest seed sixth. They were the sixth seed in the in the Western Conference. So no seven, no eight seed has ever won the NBA Finals. And as Cody said, I think we have, I think we've had two or three now NHL teams win with the eight seed. But that just shows you how deep the postseason is. I mean, how many times has the number one team not won the NCAA tournament? Uh, that's most of the time because it's a tournament. Everything changes. I mean, are, are you trying to tell me that the Marlins can't beat the Dodgers two out of three? Yeah, they can. Anybody can beat anybody two out of three, and then you move on. I've got a feeling, and this is good for Rob Manfred, and I know a lot of people have been critical of, of the commissioner, but one thing that I like about him and we got to interview him before the wild card game, so we can't call him friend of the program. The thing I like, I, I I don't know if he's a good negotiator. I don't know how that works. I don't know if it's him, if it's Tony Clark, if it's both of them, whatever. I do know the guy is not afraid to make change. And this is exactly what baseball has needed. It needs to be refreshed. It needs something new. It needs a, you know, the engine in the car still works. You know what baseball reminded me, give you an analogy? It reminded me of my uh, G35 Infinity. I had 298,000 miles on it. I'm a road warrior. I had to get rid of it. And I, I didn't have to get rid of it because of the engine. The engine was still fine. They always told me, hey, the engine looks great. Problem was, everything around the engine was falling apart. My upholstery was cracking. My, I needed a paint job. I mean, there was all kinds of stuff. You know, my my, my technology was out, out to date. Your mirror is falling off. My, my <laughs> some donkey ran, took off my, my mirror at a Raider game, and it was just hanging by a wire. And then I had to duct tape it, my side mirror. Oh, yeah, everything was falling apart but the engine. That's how I feel about baseball. I see baseball's engine still great, still runs, still going to get you A to B. But you got to liven it up. Because these younger kids, we got to get them watching and listening to the sport. Now, they're playing it. See, that's something that they're a little misnomer when people say, oh, you know, the younger generation. Hey, trust me. I live right across the street from Little League Heaven. And there's th th three fields across the street from my house. And normally during the Little League season, there's, there's parents and kids everywhere. More kids are back to playing baseball. Less kids are playing football. But now we got to get them watching it. And so... One way you get them to watch it is how many teams are going to have a shot to make the playoffs. You're going to have a boatload of teams. So that means there's going to be more interest in your cities. So instead of just, okay, couple division winners, quick wild card game, North, now you're going to have half the league is going to the playoffs. So you're going to have 16 cities jacked up for playoff baseball. They're going to be excited, and it's going to get more people interested. 
and especially during this pandemic, because we don't know. We don't know when a treatment's coming. We don't know when a vaccine's coming. We don't know how life's going to be. Remember, this is just two months. Two months from now, we are going to have the playoffs. I, I'm, I'm so excited. I haven't been this excited in a long time. Because we've all been cooped up, but it's now time to watch some baseball. And hope to God they don't get out to a slow start. But certain things, as I mentioned, you know, sprucing up your game. I have a feeling we're going to love this extra innings with a guy starting on second base. Traditionalist, you'll get over it. Universal DH, you'll get over it. You're going to notice, you know what? I rather watch I rather watch Jock Peterson DH for the Dodgers than have Walker Bueller come to the plate. It's just that's just the way it is. And I know I say this all the time, but it's it's what I say this is how I combat my National League brethren where you're the only you're the only level of baseball not using the DH. Because everywhere else, high school all the way up to the American League, everybody's got it. And now you got it. And you know what? You're going to like it. Because pitchers bunting, ugh. Double switches, ugh. What for? What, what, what for? All my guys throwing a good game. Well, I uh, it's a close game, so I got to take my starter out because I got to put a pinch hitter in there. So now maybe, maybe, maybe guys like DeGrom for Cody can go longer in games because he doesn't get pinch, pinch hit for. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, I am not a fan of 16 innings. I'm not a fan of that. And I know everybody's like, uh, I've, I've had callers come after me on, on, on that for, for years. I'm like, well, that's great. You may like 16 innings, but I've got proof that the majority of everybody else, other than the hardcore traditionalists, they don't like it. Do you know what the television ratings are in inning 15? It flatlines. Radio ratings, streaming ratings. No one's in the ballpark. Everybody's asleep. They got to go to work the next day. So great. 5,000 people hang around to watch 16 innings of baseball. And then a guy like me has got to come on and do the post game after that? No, thanks. And it wrecks your pitching. It can affect you for a week having those games. Once again, there's now 3,000 people in the ballpark. They're the only people entertained by it. Everybody else has gone to sleep. So if you can make games quicker, and because of that, I'm all for that. There's going to be a lot of new rules, and I have a feeling we're going to like them. Because the old expression, once the toothpaste is out of the tube, you can't put it back. So how are you going to go back to less teams in the playoffs? How are you going to go back? You don't go back. Something's really going to have to fit. And I don't think that, I, I think there's going to be so much excitement. As, as, as How many times have people said 162 games is too many games? Even 82 games for the NBA, 82 games for the NHL is too many games. Well, now we're going to see that. Now we're going to see what a sprint looks like all the way into massive playoffs. 
I think it's going to be fantastic. Cody, do you like the 16? Uh, I'm a huge fan of it because I've been saying that. I mean, let's just use a couple examples of this. And this is examples of two teams that I like, the A's and the Pirates. Let's start with the A's. They won 97 games back-to-back years. They played in a one-game playoff. They're done. Now you have a three-game series where, in theory, last year the A's would have hosted the race for three games. Then the year before, they would play three year they would play three games at Yankee Stadium. A few years ago, the Pirates won 98 games and had to play in a wild card game because the Cardinals won 100 and the Cubs won 97. They lost in the, in the wild card game. So as a fan of a team, two teams have been to the wild card game too many times in the last decade. I love this expansion for postseason. It gives players more money too, so that helps going forward. And you, if you're a fan of a team that's a fringe playoff team like a, like the White Sox or or the Reds or Bob Townsend's Padres, or even a team that I like this year, and I, I was going to mention this team, I think I might have before, I like the Marlins. I don't know why. There's something about the makeup of Donnie Baseball, Francisco Cervelli, Corey Dickerson, Brian Anderson, just the the, the match of talent they have. And they, I mean, they play in the, probably the toughest division in baseball, but I just feel like they're – it gives – well, no one in Miami cares about baseball, but it gives a team like that hope that they can make the playoffs maybe this year in 60 games where – we, we pretty much can assume that the Orioles are not going to make the playoffs. And congratulations to a uh, friend of the program and, and uh, familiar A, Tommy Malone, as he's now starting opening day today for the Orioles, as John Means <laughs> is on the injured list. So it's just the, the Orioles, uh, yeah, they're not planning on winning this year, but I'm a big fan of it. And I know this is something you might like. The A's lineup is out for tonight as well. Okay, hold on. i got to get back to Tommy Malone. Okay, all right. Good kid. I like him. But when Tommy Malone's your opening day starter, I mean, seriously. Are you are you kidding? I mean, Tommy Malone's your opening day. I mean, that's oh, wow. Um, now, yeah, it, it's uh, – and you're going to look really bad if you're not one of these 16 teams, by the way. I mean, if half the league makes it and you don't even make it, that means you're bad. You're really, really bad. And the A's the last two years and the last 60 games have won 39 and 38 games. So I got to think that record gets you in. And really, at this point, you just got to get in. Playing on playing at, playing on the road or playing at home with no fans, is it really going to matter? I, I was reading this stat that usually 53% of the time the home team wins. I mean, that's not a big, big margin, 53%. So the home field advantage, I mean, look at last year's World Series. Every every road team won the World Series game on the road. No one won at home. And now with no fans, I mean, as, as, as haunting and scary as all of our cutouts in the stands, I just don't think that's going to intimidate Major League Baseball players. Because you sent a, a picture of your cat and Tony LaRusso's next to a dog. I don't think these guys are going to be intimidated. So home field advantage, just throw, I mean, just throw it out the window. What does it matter? And then you have Sun franchises. As you mentioned, the Marlins, uh, having, having been to that ballpark, uh, they're used to playing without fans. So I don't think it's going to be a big deal. <laughs> Tampa. Some people would say us. I mean, it's not like 
You know, you're getting eight grand a game. It's not like you're packing the stadium. And I can tell you the one, the one Marlins game I've been to, uh, there was no Marlins man there, and there had to been like two thousand people in the stands. So, and you could hear people's conversations. That's how bad it was. You got to pick one guy. Who's the MVP of the A's? You got to pick one. Well, we kinda... who is going to have the year? Who are we going to say after 60 games, this guy, he's the MVP? Well, I don't want to steal it from you because we talked about this the other day. You and can, you can, you can. No, you can, you can no I'm, I'm a, I, I can form my own. I can form my I'm own thoughts. Your first tips. I can form my own my own thoughts and original um, thoughts and takes on this. Uh, I would. I was going to go Liam, but I'm not going to go Liam because we talked about him already. I I think it's. I honestly think the guy that's going to be the most viable A this year is Chris Davis. I think if you can get him back to where he was, I was going to go Lazardo, but I'm going to go with Chris Davis, just because if, if he's if he's healthy like he says he is, and he get the home runs for you, I think he's the most viable part to that lineup that, that can make them go. They won 97 games last year, and he wasn't even, you know, he only hit 23 homers, which we scoff, scoffing at 23 homers. That's more home runs than I'll ever hit in my life. But if he can be back to normal, juice ball, it was not. It was not a no. very good year for Chris Davis. No, and he didn't hit 247 either. So, I think he gets back to around there and he hits 17 home runs. Okay, I also will not go Liam Hendricks. I'm going to go with my guy who I think, in front of our eyes, is growing into one of the best players in the league. And I thought this year was the year like everybody really would take notice. And that's Matt Olson. And Matt Olson is the kind of guy that could have 20-something home runs. He could lead baseball in home runs. He could lead baseball in RBIs and win a third straight gold glove. You know, right now, Matt Chapman is overshadowing, which is fine because they're buddies. Chat Chapman's a different personality. Matt Olson's not a guy that goes, look at me, look at me. Um, Chapman is, Chapman's a tough guy. Uh, you know, Matt Chapman, the best thing you can say about Matt Chapman, more than the defense, more than the power, Matt Chapman comes to win. He wants to win. Like when Mike fires through his no-no, the guy who was most excited for him was Matt Chapman, and he went over for that game. There's been plenty of great players that when they go over, it doesn't matter whether the team won or lost, they're not happy. That's not Matt Chapman. He's a guy that he's so competitive he comes to win. But I'm going to go with Olsen. I think Olsen, if he gets hot, I mean, he hits them in bunches. And if he has a good stroke going, he could be up there with the leaders, if not lead all of baseball in home runs. I think this is I, – I thought this was the year. It, the true coming out part – I mean, people know who he is. But I'm talking about, you know, you're an all-star you're, 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 you know, everybody starts to know, hey, that guy in Oakland at first base is a monster. I looked earlier, Jim Bowden had him in, uh, he was talking about his MVP candidates and he had Olsen, not Olsen, not Chapman 
as one of his MVP candidates. I almost turned the mic on and said, hey, A-Rod, uh, don't go with the chalk. Go with someone else. Because I figured you were gonna go chat if you weren't going to go Olsen with someone. Because we both said we weren't going to go with Liam because we both agreed the other day that we think Liam could be the most viable guy on the ace team. But I tried to go somewhere offensively, and I was trying to pick between Chris well, Davis what, or what, what, Loriano. What if, what if Simeon has a duplicate year? I mean, the numbers will, will be different because of 60 games. But what, what if Marcus does everything he did last year. I mean, I, I, I will argue it's the greatest year by NEA, Oakland A. Now, our ace historian, Dave Feldman, brought up Giambi and Tejada. But the difference is, I know Marcus is clean. I don't think those guys were clean. And there's the rookie, the Ricky MVP year, Reggie Jackson's MVP year. But Marcus, when you look at everything across the board, playing shortstop, a premier defensive position, leading off, breaking the record for runs, driving in all those runs. He was awesome. So it could be him. I don't know. Sleepers, Akana, Piscotti, Loriano. I think Loriano's – that's the guy I was thinking about, but I was like, I'm going to go to Chris Davis because I think we everyone's expecting him to have a big year. And we played the audio from him last week where he was talking about how he feels healthy and he put last year behind him. And you mentioned how Chapman is a guy, you know, he, he, he likes to, you know, encourage his teammates and he gives them kudos. When they asked him about the best tandems in baseball yesterday, he said Marcus and, and Olsen. And they said, oh, you know, you got to put yourself – and he goes, no, they both hit better than me last year. He owned it. He owned that he, they had better years than him last year, and I loved hearing him say that. Himbo, I've missed you. How are you? I love seeing your uh, Eagles uh, Super Bowl shirt. Yeah, every time I come on, I, I rock a new Philly T-shirt. I'm surprised you guys continue to invite me back. Uh, most most people that I run into uh, are either fans of Philly teams or hate us. So I'm glad that you guys have been able to put up with me for a few months now. But yeah, today I'm repping the Eagles uh, Super Bowl. It was 2017. One of them. I, mean, I, I will say this though, like the Phillies winning in 08 was the greatest thing ever. And the Eagles winning in 17 just didn't have that same shine. The first one of your lifetime is the one that you remember. It's always your first. I, I, yeah, I got winning the Super Bowl. When you guys won the Super Bowl and your guy Mike Trout's there, <laughs> I mean, come on, that had to be like the greatest thing ever, well, right? Yes. The way in which the Eagles won the Super Bowl was the greatest thing ever. They, it was such a Philly way to do it. They won the Super Bowl with the backup quarterback, without the Hall of Fame left tackle. They beat the Patriots and Tom Brady and Belichick in a game that the Patriots did not punt. It was just like – it was just a combination of like the confluence of circumstances made it so sweet. But in uh, 2008, I was 18 years old. I'd watched Phillies play every game for the previous 10 years. So be able to, and at that time I was living in the city still. So to rush out into the streets and, and celebrate with all those people, it was just like the coolest rush. And that's, that's a night that I will, uh, well, I mean, it's a night that I'll never forget. I should say, but it's a night that I actually mostly forget. <laughs> you know how that goes. Well, Nick Foles always be like one of the most special people in your hearts. People ask me who's the greatest quarterback in Eagles history. The answer is Mick Foles because of that one game. You know, like Carson Wentz can do almost anything, and like Carson Wentz can go to the Hall of Fame. But the answer to that question will always be Nick Foles for me. What about my guy Ron Jaworski though? You you gotta love Jaws. Jaws is one of the greatest of all time. <laughs> <laughs> to quote to, to quote Ron Jaworski. I love Ron. You know, I think about. Uh, you know, all, all the years I was in arena football, and of course, he was the. Ah. You remember San Jose Sabercats? We 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 did the battle. Uh, 
with Bon Jovi and Ron Jaworski down in New Orleans, but that is for a different time. Uh, <laughs> so, as you know, I've told you this, that I've been downloading Buster Only's podcast. I think, you know, even though we are the number one podcast in baseball, that's for the 30 teams. The actual number one podcast is Baseball Tonight and Buster. There's no question. And so I download it and I do my laps and I'm swimming and I hear Hembo say he likes the A's to win the American League. I must walk out of school. <laughs> well, from from my lips to God's ears, I so so this is how it goes. Like a lot of these a lot of these talking heads in the national media go on the local stations and pick that team to win the championship, and they make their rounds all around. Like you know, you know for sure. Yeah. And listening to the podcast, th- th- this is what I truly believe. I submitted my ESPN.com pick today. I sent them over to Cody. I'm sticking with it. I think the A's are the best team in the American League, or at minimum. I think the A's are the team in the American League that I'm most confident in. The the sort of ceiling floor um, equation that you have to do. Like, I don't think there's any arguing that the Yankees are probably more talented. But the Yankees have, in my judgment, a significantly larger downside because of the number of important players that have shown to be extraordinarily injury prone. I think you could argue that the Astros on paper have more top-end talent, certainly more top-end vets. But without Garrett Cole... And like, who knows how good they'll be at hitting now that they don't know pitches are coming. You know, so there, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of moving parts this year, obviously. And making predictions in a 60 game season is a fool's errand. But like I've I've demonstrated to you in the past with the numbers, the A's have started slowly each of the last two years, and if they do that again, they obviously won't have the chance to catch up. But the majority of each of the last two seasons suggests to me that this is a team on the rise, as good as any team in baseball. When you look at you know pretty much games you know 50, 55, 60 on. And so many of those players are still growing into themselves. Like we saw last year, Semyon become the player that you all thought he could. With Ols- like Olsen, Chapman, you, you have the best infield in baseball. You have a burgeoning star in center field and a catcher. And I think the biggest difference maker for your club this year, like I'm preaching to the choir here, but I can do it in all the national shows. The A's are just not a team we talk about that much. I think Luzardo and Puck are the two guys that are going to be the biggest difference makers for you. So that's ultimately where I fall. I think the A's are a really safe pick this year. And when you're, when you're picking – uh, winners and division winners and, and whatnot in, in a 60-game season, I'm defaulting to things that I know. I know that if those A's, by and large, are healthy, that's a team that could approach 40 wins. And I really like the the, the, the top-to-bottom balance of that club. And I think another thing we don't talk about, just to keep you know, going on this rant here, is their ability to catch the baseball. The Yankees are one of the worst defensive teams in baseball, and this is the common thing I'm hearing. Yankees, Dodgers, everywhere I go. But the Yankees' flaws are more glaring than the A's. Again, the A's might not – A's lineup might not be quite as strong. They don't have that that, that front horse ace like Garrett Cole. But the collection of players on that club, in my judgment, is the best in the American League. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on A's cast live. Okay, so um, we'll get back to our love for the A's. I'm thinking of you as a great Division II baseball player. What do you think you would have hit if you knew what – if you were an Astro, what do you think you would have hit if you knew what was coming? (laughs) I I mean, I think – I think I could have hit 350. I was a 300 hitter in college. I could have hit 350. The problem is, like, I couldn't hit velocity even if I knew it was coming, you know? And I couldn't hit good spin either. But, so you, could, you, but you could gear up. If you knew the velocity was coming. You could gear up as in, like, the, 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 the general you, not me. Like, I had, I had, I was like a punch and Judy. I'm not. I'm not going to be able to back into one here. Like, if I know it's going to be, you know, 
even 93 right down the shoot, I'm swinging under that ball, bro. Like, I'm swinging under it. <laughs> so, for me, like, I would need to know what's coming and where, not just what's coming. I'm thinking, I'm thinking you're more of a 400 guy. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I mean, hitting 400 is hard. Uh, I, I don't even know if I've hit 400 in batting practice. So, 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 like, even against these these schleps who can throw two pitches and you're seeing like 83 mile per hour fastball and you know, on a cold day in Northwest Ohio, I'm still not sure. I'm, I'm still not sure I'm getting the 400, and I'm still not sure I'm, I'm even putting one out. <laughs> hey, hey, I, you know what was fascinating when Cody and I w- broke this down, and we were talking about guys that hit 400. I mean, when you look at Ted Williams, Tony Gwynn, Wade Boggs, Rod Carew, there's plenty of guys, George Brett, that have hit 400 for over 60 games. We may, I mean, I would be, wouldn't you be fascinated just to say in my lifetime, I saw that happen one time. It is the, it is the single, it is the number that I'm most interested in following this season. I, I came on the show a few weeks ago with you guys, Chipper Jones, hit 400 through 70-some games or 80-some games in 2008, it's very possible. The problem wow. is the game now The game now is such that hitting 300 is such a rarity that someone would just have to be so incredibly hot because there's just so much swing and miss. So that like last year, Cody Bellinger was absolutely destroying the ball in the first half of the season. Like he was hitting 370 through the 60 game mark, but that's not that's not 400. We're talking about like the Rod Carews, like you said, the George Bretts of the world. I think Tony Fernandez hit 400 in the 60 game span in in, in, in the mid 90s. Like we're talking about a rare group of players, and there just aren't many classic pure hit for average players in baseball anymore. The one guy I think could probably, at least in theory, do it would be Jose Altuve. But again, like I think predicting what the Astros are going to be able to do offensively this year, maybe I'm naive, but I think that's a that's a that's a real question mark. I have no idea. I have like we've seen how much a difference it makes when a juicer stops juicing. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be that stark, but I think there could be a considerable drop off. This is one of the like the last couple seasons. This has been a historically good offensive team. I, I'd be stunned if they were able to sustain that. Yeah, it'd be fascinating to watch someone actually, you know, they and, and you know, the, the, the thing is they wouldn't have that pressure, you know, like what George Brett or Tony Gwynn had when people start actually talking about it. You won't see that kind of pressure like everybody would be like, oh, he's in 400. Great. I mean, that I think that will be the difference this year. If someone can do it, they're not going to have the national spot like like get up is not going to go to every at bat and worried about every single time a guy comes to the plate. That's fair. Um, and again, it's so much easier to do it over 60 games. Like that's, I, I heard, I heard George Brett talk about it in a podcast recently in which he said, like, it got hard for me once I started thinking about it every day, but there's not going to be that every day. Like, you know, the media, like the fans aren't there. The media is not going to be omnipresent like it usually is. I think it's very possible. I just don't see an obvious hit for average guy in the, in the game right now that could do it. I just, I just don't. Maybe, maybe I'm missing him, and maybe you know Bellinger's fast start last year should make me believe that it is possible to see a 400 season would be incredible. I think we could definitely see a, a triple crown easily. That could definitely happen. Uh, a 400 season is much less likely, in my judgment. Hambo, we got a game. We got a tonight. game. It's Giants. Right. We're playing tonight. Let's go. I, I watched. I watched nearly an entire Phillies Orioles uh, exhibition game yesterday at Citizens Bank Park. <laughs> and let me just say this, like. You know how, how much I follow the game of baseball. Yeah. If you ask me to regurgitate that Orioles lineup that they throw out there, the only person that I can remember off the top of my head is Chris Davis. <laughs> the other eight guys, I, <laughs> I'm telling you, that's a that's a triple-A lineup. Those, those games against the Orioles 
are going to be must-wins for everyone that plays them this year because the games matter so much, that club's going to take a beating. Yeah, when you start talking about each game is a plus or minus 2.7 or 2.8, whatever it is, and you talk about how bad the, like, the Orioles are, I mean, they don't want to win a game. And like, even if they want to win, they might not <laughs> because – like I said, you're going to get everyone's best shot. I mean, obviously, you'll, they'll beat the Blue Jays and the, and the Red Sox a few times. But just look how the Yankees destroyed them last season. Glaber Torres almost won the home run title by himself just in the 19 <laughs> games they played against the Orioles. Like, it's, it's, a complete, it's a complete joke. That roster yeah. is decimated. In fact, I would go as far as to say that clubs like that, like the Orioles, should be looking to trade any player with value as soon as the season starts. The problem is they don't have any players of value. So – I think I think if you are a you know, not among the two dozen teams that have a real chance to make the playoffs, there's a real market efficient market inefficiency there because there are far more buyers and sellers. And if you're a club that, like you said, just isn't going for it, I would unload early, especially with the possibility that the season doesn't go all the way through. Yeah, I mean, Cody, uh, Cody, you can chime in on this. We've talked about our guy Whit Merrifield, uh, friend of the mm-hmm. program. I mean, you look at these bad teams. There's no one they, – they don't have anybody you want. <laughs> no. Like the the um, like the Tigers, for example, another really bad club. Like the players you're most interested in watching this year are Casey Mize and Matt Manning. These are, you know, two kids. Like, yeah. They're not going to be able to trade Miguel Cabrera. Like these guys are – like or, or, or Chris Davis. These guys are untradeable. That's that's the thing. Like these teams are so bad. Like we're going to have – we're going to have a few clubs that fail to win 20 games, I think. What are you most – like – so we're getting this going tonight. We're taping this, obviously. And Giants and A's are going to play tonight, tomorrow. And then we start with the Angels on Friday. As someone who loves the game and someone who researches the game like you do, what are you most excited about? Uh, I would say from a national perspective. I'm a Phillies fan, as you know. But from a national perspective, what I'm most excited or at least most curious about is to see whether or not Christian Yelich continues to close the gap, if not pass Mike Trout. Like, and I mean this when wow. I say this. Look, look, look. I know wow. that this is going to sound like blasphemous clickbait. I'm doing an article for ESPN.com. It's going to be on Friday. I'll send you guys the, the info once once I get it. But over the last year and a half, Christian Yelich is the best player in the sport. It's, it's, it, it is objective. It's clear. Now, the question is, how, how long does a player need to be better than Mike Trout in order to pass him on that? Like, right? And, and, and I think most people would say he hasn't done it for long enough. That's a season and a half of data, and Christian Yelich, by every standard of measure across the board, has been better than Trout. Again, th- there's a difference between has been better or is better. But the Christian Yelich that I've seen the last year and a half is absolutely tearing the cover off the baseball and, 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 and outpacing Matt Trout by every single standard of measure. Every single one. So, we, include, including his ability to run. I, I think in the last 162 games they played, Yelich has 38 steals and Mike Trout has 14. And that's in addition to Christian Yelich slugging over 700. So he's he's the best hitter in baseball right now and has been for the last year and a half. I think if Christian Yelich puts together another 60 games, like his last, say, 180, 190 games, I think we should be having a real conversation about whether the answer to the question, who is the best player in baseball, is a two-horse race and not as easy as we used to uh, think as recently as a year ago. Okay, so I, I, I you know, I'm kind of tainted in my career because of when it started. Um and when I think about guys that do things that they didn't do before, and I think about like Barry Bonds, I think Lance Armstrong, I think about guys who do stuff 
that all of a sudden out of nowhere start doing new things? I question. And I think I have a legitimate gripe on these things. And when I look at Yelich, who couldn't hit the ball of the ballpark in Miami, and now is, as you said, the best player in the game, I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I'm just saying I'm watching a guy who's completely changed. How is that possible? Um, it's a good point. Here's what I'll say. My first point would be hitting in Miami, as we know, is just different than hitting anywhere else. That That is a that's a cavernous ballpark and almost nobody hits for much power there. So that, that, that we know, like that's, that's a big reason why his power numbers were so suppressed there. The second thing I would say is if indeed Christian Yelich was sort of on that path, the one that you're suggesting is possible, that my best guess would, would have been that Christian Yelich became a monster power hitter at the start of a season because of an off season program. That's what you usually see guys come to spring training. They look a lot different. Christian Yelich doesn't look a lot different. Christian Yelich, Essentially, at the, during the 2018 All-Star break, be, went from being a, 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 a National League reserve to the best player in baseball like that, at least statistically. Now, the, as best I can tell, the biggest reason for that change is about him doubling his launch angle. Even though he's talked about not doing that, he very much has. He's, he's lifted the baseball, and his power numbers are extraordinary. He, gen, he, he barrels up everything, and he generates more power than Mike Trout does when he elevates the baseball. Now, is it fair for you to suspect what might be? Sure. But as best we can tell, I mean, I'm still one, especially in 2020. This is 2005. In 2020, I still think we should we should defer to giving the player the benefit of the doubt. And given all the data science that we have now, it's very possible that Christian Yelich just sort of bought into a program that the Brewers tried ingrating in his head the first half of that season. We've seen Justin Turner go crazy. We've seen you've seen Josh Donaldson go crazy. We've seen Nelson Cruz go crazy. There's a a bunch of players like that. I don't know why Christian Yelich can't be that next player now. Is it fair to say, how can someone go from being that to better than Mike Trout? Sure, that's fair. But all I'll say is if you just look at the research, and I'm doing the research for this article, there's a real argument to be made that, like, if you're just throwing out that, that those possibilities in that context, he is the best. He has been, for the last year and a half, the best player in baseball. You know, and I, and I really think, too, and, and to be fair, him signing that contract really, I, it was good for baseball. Wouldn't you say that here's a player that is one of the best guys in the game says, I want to stay in this market. This is enough money for me and my family. That was a win for baseball. Wouldn't you agree? I would. I I don't think it was a win for the, for the players association, but that's not the same question, right? (laughs) Christian Yelich, but Christian Yelich was vocal in getting himself out of Miami. So this is not like a, an Oh shucks type guy who was just going to sign the first check that came his way. Like he, he wants to win. He's obviously comfortable in Milwaukee in the two years he's been there. They have one. He's obviously very happy and comfortable hitting in that ballpark. Like I said, he's he's been the best player at minimum in the national league since he got there. So I think that is a good thing for baseball. And I think generally if, if, if you see players taking, say, 80 cents on the dollar and not going through free agency, yes, that probably hurts the notion of free agency. And I'm guessing people like Tony Clark don't love that idea. But do I think having a star like that in Milwaukee is a good thing for the game? Sure, I do. How many basements could you buy with $200 million? Well, none in California. <laughs> As we learn. Uh, <laughs> a lot in Jersey. Uh, although my, my new one will be unfinished. And uh, this, lovely, this, this lovely setup down here. Um, you know, on the other, this is, this is just a love, this is just a lovely space. My parents' home during my first year of marriage, a lovely space. I've never, I have never seen this many basements in my life. It's like fascinating. <laughs> like where is himbo and, and what basement is he, 
is there's a basement everywhere you go. A basement everywhere I go, bunk beds everywhere I go, uh, barking dogs everywhere I go. For some reason, every time I, I do this with you guys, there's always weed whacking going on outside. I guess that has to happen at 2.30 every single Monday. So it, it, we're, we're full of distractions. By the way, while, while I have you, I did put together a few trivia questions in case you're interested in getting some today. Oh, yeah. I didn't I didn't know you had. By Let's the way, I'll tell you this. Mm-hmm. At, the, at the lake, I discovered something. Have you ever had Truly versus yes. White Claw? Yes, yes, yes. So th- I, have, I have a whole power rankings sheet for, um, with, with Truly's High Noons and and White Claws. Truly um, grades the least favorably among the three brands like wow. on, aggr- on aggregate. They have individual flavors that I favor to others, but like there's a whole hierarchy of things. This, we, we've gotten scientific with our, with our spike seltzers this summer, uh, like I do with most things in my life. That is impressive. All right, yeah, what's the trivia? All right, let's go. Let's go. Um, so the Nats are looking to repeat as World Series champions, which is the last National League club to win the World Series in consecutive seasons. National League, I'd probably go Cincinnati Reds. The Cincinnati Reds is correct. The Reds won the World Series in 75 and 76. The Yankees have since done it a few times, and the Blue Jays have since Blue done Jays, it once, yeah. but none since the Reds, the Reds in the mid-70s. Very well done. Um, let's see here. Uh, who led the majors in home runs? through the 60-game mark last season. Sixty games had the most home runs. Yeah, 60 team games through their team's 60th game. I'm going to go Bellinger. Bellinger second. Bellinger hit Ah. 20. Christian Yelich, who we just talked about, hit 22. And Pete Alonzo. Of the Mets hit 20 as well. So it was Yelich with 22. Bellinger with 20. The polar bear at twenty. I, I'm on record as saying I think the polar bear is going to plunge a little bit this year. I think I I, I think he will have a a bit a bit of a performance dip. It's going to be really hard for him to Cody to, to, to do that. Cody, again. you okay with that? Cody, you okay with that? As much as I'd love to see him at fifty plus home runs in a sixty game season, I just don't think that's <laughs> uh, scientifically possible. So I see him taking a step back. But I mean, I, the the science is there. The data is there. It's that your favorite player. One of I, I did say that Jordan Alvarez was going to be the greatest home run hitter of all time, and uh, <laughs> we'll see how we'll see how that works out going forward. So, but yeah, it's, it's a little disheartening to hear about Polar Bear, but you know it's expected. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, oh, he's a, he's a nice player, but like I'm just always skeptical with someone who is that home run reliant with a lack of other skills. I, he had 50 home runs, but he did so with a 340 on base. I, I think we're going to see some regression. Um, all right, Chris, next question for you, bud. There are two active pitchers with at least 200 career wins. Active, I am not including Bartolo Colon. There are two active pitchers with at least Art. 200 career wins. Which are they? Who are they? Uh, it'd be Zach Granke and uh, Justin Verlander. Both are correct. Very well done. So Verlander has 225 career wins. Granke has 205. I did not remember uh, Granke getting to 205 last year. You're a better man than I am. Um, all right, stay hot, kid. Uh, there are four active players who have collected at least 2,000 career hits. How many of those four active players can you name? There's four guys with 2,000 hits? Four active guys. So everybody's got to be old, right? Yes. Um, All in their mid-30s or older. So Miguel Cabrera... Miguel has 28-15 entering the season. 
just think, who's old? Um, Beltre just retired. He had 3,000. Yeah, only one active player has 3,000 hits. We have an active guy with 3,000 hits? Yeah. Yeah, of course. You run it. You'll you'll run into him in a second as you're doing. As you're oh, doing uh, Albert Pujols. Pujols has thirty two oh two. All right, so that's two. Um, One has twenty five seventy. The other has twenty three fifty five. I'll be really impressed if you get both. I'm just trying to think of old guys. Let's see here. I think I know one of them. What do you got? Robbie Cano. Cano is correct. Cano has 2,570. I don't even. Hits. He, he, he shouldn't even be on any list. At he, <laughs> he's also, yeah, he's also hardly active with the season he put together last year. If either of you get number four on this, on this list, I will be really impressed. A very anonymous, sort of very anonymous good player. I can't think. Like, who's like a super old guy who's got a ton of hits? Let me see if I can give you a, a hint here. He's a, le- he's a left-handed batter that, that spent the majority of his career with the Orioles. Nick Markakis. Yeah. Nick Markakis has really 2,355 career hits. Through the Who will not be playing this year? Who's sitting right. out? But he had, like, his, his 162-game average is 180 hits. Um, let's see. In the last full season he played, he had 185. I mean, look. 3,000 hits has always been this benchmark for the Hall of Fame, but he has a real chance to get there before he turns 40. I don't think anyone that's ever watched him play would think he is a Hall no. of Fame player, but like they're, like if he, if, he, if he had put up this exact same back of the baseball card 50 years ago, we'd be talking about Nick Markakis as a Hall of Famer. No. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Of course, he is not. He, he will not do well um, among the Hall of Fame voters, unless they're the old school types that just check a box for 3,000 hits. But he's got a lot of hits. Um, my I, last question for you is this. Jacob deGrom is looking to become uh, back-to-back-to-back Cy Young Award winners. Who's the last person to win three consecutive Cy Young Awards in the National League? Uh, so that's kind of a tricky question. So Randy Johnson won... X amount, but he was traded from Seattle. So I, I will go, I'll go Maddox, but it may be Randy Johnson. <laughs> um, you're all over it. The correct answer is Randy Johnson. Johnson won four consecutive Cy Youngs from 99 to 02. Correct. Uh, Maddox won four consecutive from 92 to 95, one with the Cubs and three with the Braves. But Randy, jo- Randy Johnson's four-year stretch from 99 to 02 is just vile. Um, that that guy remains one of the most underrated pitchers of all time. Where did Randy Johnson go after he was traded from Seattle to where and was undefeated? He went to Houston. He went ten and one in in see here in eleven in eleven starts in the ninety eight season, he and then lost standing, and then lost to the Padres yes. in the divisional round. That's right, Randy Johnson. Greatest. Yeah, Randy Johnson. You might remember was not a good postseason pitcher before 2001. In fact, when David Price, I think, I think a few, a couple years ago, when David Price was sort of like going through this, this sort of postseason slog, every time he pitched, he got lit up. He broke the consecutive losses record that Randy Johnson had set. So it's, it's one of these sort of bizarre dynamics. Like the best, you see like some of the best pitchers in baseball history on these lists. Clayton Kershaw is another guy. For some reason, like they had this bugaboo, but 
uh, Johnson was able to pitch his way out of it. Clinton Kershaw has not been able to. How do you think the Phillies are going to do in this East? Because a lot of people think the Phillies are one of the teams that, you know, could surprise people. The Phillies, um, the Phillies are plenty good enough to make the playoffs. The problem is the schedule setup for them is just brutal. The the travel, they have such a such a challenging schedule from a travel standpoint in relation to their opponents. One of the largest travel gaps. They also have. Uh, they also have a 25-day stretch in which they don't have a day off. They have, they have a 25 or 27-game stretch against teams, all all of which were above 500 last season. So they're, the schedule in the East just sets up so tough for them. Like I, there's a real chance only one team can come out of the National League East because the schedule is so tough. And I, I'm not seeing it. Maybe, I think Bryce Harper and some of these guys are very well equipped to put together a great 60-game season. And I think from like players 1 through 10, 1 through 15 on the Phillies roster – Shakes up, uh, stacks up nicely to the Mets, into the Nationals, into the Braves. But players 15 through 30 are the ones that I'm most worried about. And I think that is going to be the difference for that club. I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Hembo, we've missed you. You know that? <laughs> I, I, I've missed you too. It's going to be the next time we talk, we're going to have watched meaningful baseball, which is very crazy. It's crazy to say. But in, like, in watching in watching games on, on MLB Network this weekend, it just I just injected life into my veins. I just started I just started firing off emails to our broadcast crews. I just got so excited. Like I just got like I just Buster told me last week he's like I got your first Sunday night baseball email. Yeah. He's like that's when it felt real for me. I'm like, yeah, me too, bro. That's just how it goes. But um the next time the next time we talk, hopefully the A's haven't dug themselves into a big hole and sabotaged my American League pennant pick. Before you let me go. How am I overly optimistic about this club? I look at this thing. I look at this stuff really objectively. This is, this is, if not the best club among the best in the American league, very clearly. By the way. So while I'm in the pool and I'm listening to you talk to Buster and I know exactly what you're talking about, how happy he was to get your notes for Sunday night baseball, which I didn't realize you do the notes for Sunday night. baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Mendoza and A Rod and yeah. friend of the program Matt Vaskersian. I got I got my hands in every cookie jar at ESPN that no one wants me in. But you know when you eat enough cookies, sometimes you have to leave the jar open. So that's that's where we are. I'll send stuff out that way. You'll see something like like what is this on NFL Live like or, or or on the draft or some such nonsense. But I the longer you get to ESPN, the more the more cell phone numbers and email addresses you get, and the more and, and and then the more shameless you get too. So I'll just be rifling off stuff to famous people. Sometimes they like it, sometimes they don't. But you know what? Uh, if one person catches on, then my and, and look. I mean, if, if one person catches on, it's great. But also, like, I love doing it. So, like, I I think it's the it, this is the most fun thing I get to do. So, if like last year, for example, like it's really cool. You know, John Lester note that Sunday Night Baseball brought into that I like something about like pitch tunneling or something crazy it was probably not even that good, and it just made me so happy. Buster's like, yeah, John Lester thought that it was really cool. I'm like, that's like when you do the stuff that I do, when you're a researcher, when that kind of stuff is brought to life, that's when you find your chest. You know, Cody and I are such baseball dorks. Can you just send us that? I would love Sunday night baseball to have your notes and to watch and go, because that's the best stuff. I mean, what you do, it's kind of sad, but this is what we love. This is the John Lester release point graphic that Hembo sent along. Yeah, that's, 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 when, you, that's when you know. You should, you should do some more laps in the, in the pool, man. Hey, I'm going to tell you, I miss keeping score. That's what a dork yeah. I am. Yeah, I missed no. my, my scorebook. I got it ready for tonight. Our first game, A's Giants. I'm just happy to keep score. It was like the first inning of the game yesterday. I'm like Oriole, Orioles, Phillies, no one in the stands. My wife's just scrolling through TikTok. Uh, Zach Wheeler rolls up a double, double play ball, and I just go, you know, six, four, three. It's like, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm watching Hansel Robles 
you know, roll up a DD Gregorius, you know, with with you know with um with like feedback in the stance and they can't figure out their audio and it, you think it was game six of the World Series, man. I'm 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 here for it. All right, Nick Foles, uh are you having a son or daughter? <laughs> uh I mean either way I can name I, I can name him or her Nick Foles. So uh um, yeah, Greeny says he he, he uh, renamed his his two kids, one son, one daughter, Sam and Darnold, and 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 just alternates depending <laughs> on depending on how he feels about each one and depending how well he plays that Sunday. So I'm in that same boat. Nick, Nick Foles, uh, Nick Nick Foles will always have a special place in my heart. Next time we talk, Hambo, we'll be talking about real baseball. Real baseball, Lord willing. Keep your fingers crossed, boys. The great Dallas Braden. Dallas, how are you? Uncle County, I'm doing good, big guy. How you doing? I can't wait to watch you on television tonight. <laughs> I, I can't wait to be on. To, I can't wait to be at the ballpark. Actually, County, scratch that. I am already at the ballpark. I'm watching batting practice right now. I am a kid in a candy store. I am beside myself right now. I feel like I have beaten Santa Claus to the Christmas tree. You know, well, I don't think people really realize how much you really love the game. You love the game. You love baseball. How tough has this been for you not having this game and not being able to be around it? Well, it's been agonizing. You know, I've, uh, I've I found myself very early on watching some of the, you know, MLB classic games, and I'm breaking down pitch sequencing. I'm breaking down watching King Griffey Sr. talk about King Griffey Jr. getting a change up in a certain count, and I'm just I'm I'm trying to consume any form of baseball. Uh, the Korean Baseball League kicked off. I was enthralled with that. I mean, I but to have the green and gold back on the diamond and to be anywhere near that is is a true blessing right now. And I like I said, I'm 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 almost at a loss for words. Just consuming the the sounds of the ball off the bat, the glove popping. Lazardo was out here slicing and dicing a little earlier. Just being able to consume all of that, like I said, is it's refreshing. You would have been a great KBO player. You would have been phenomenal oh. in the Korean League. Oh, Uncle Ty, I'm telling you right now, I, I very well may have been kicked out. They might have said, hey, look, we're, we're here for the showing emotion and everything, but you just don't throw hard enough to do the dumb stuff you're doing on the mound right now. You're going to have to reel it in just a little bit, guy. But, but I mean – Talk about seeing some of the personalities of these guys, the bat flips, even when they swing and miss. Uh, it's just a completely different vibe. And I, I really hope that uh, some of the fans that maybe have found their way in front of a KBO game kind of kind of lighten their load a little when they start to see some of that same emotion portrayed and, and put on display here stateside. You know, Tyler Glass now, he tested positive for COVID. He's back on the mound already. And I got to think that for Jesus Lazardo, we're saying all the right things. You know, he's the young guy. But I got to think he's got to be itching to get back on that mound. Well, there's no doubt. There is no doubt. This is what you work each and every day in the offseason for. And, and we can get cliche and talk about the dream being realized and to have it kind of, you know, cut short a bit very early on. It's These are all things that become motivating factors. So anytime you're told that, you physically can't do something as an athlete and frankly, as finely tuned as, as these gentlemen are, you, you take that as a challenge. So sure. He was kind of put on the back burner, but he said, you know what? I know that I can keep myself mentally sharp and I know what I'm capable of physically. So I'm going to do everything that I need to. And when I feel like I am in a position and when the test results tell me that I'm in a position to get back after it, 
I'm going to hit the ground running. And that's, that's exactly what he's done. So I, I think, I think I can speak for any player who might've found themselves on the wrong side or the positive side of one of these COVID COVID tests. They want nothing more than to get back out there and, and get back into the swing of things. You know, let's go back to when you were a starting pitcher and how you would prepare for a lineup. What, what do you think it would be like to go up against this lineup from Simeon down and you got Chapman and Olsen, you got all these guys in their prime. What would it be like pitching against these guys? Well, this is a lineup where, you, you know, a lot of times you try to look for your way out or you look for your breath of fresh air. You know, you're, you're almost you're almost like a dolphin. You need to surface and catch that breath. Where is that going to happen in this lineup? Well, one through nine, there's really no alleviation. You're going to get a quality at bat, and if you make a mistake really anywhere through this lineup, you're going to pay, and you're going to pay dearly. And that really starts at the top of the lineup, and as you said, through Simeon on down, it works its way. And and it is a, it's a lineup where you've got to make your pitches. I, I talk about Miguel Cabrera being the guy during my career where you just knew you, you got to throw him a different pitch in a different location, a little different speed. Everything's got to be different from pitch to pitch. That's the same approach against this lineup here. You don't want to show your hand too early because as you, as you mentioned, Tony, these are some guys who are in their prime and really figuring out kind of how to set a pitcher up, how to take advantage of mistakes. And it's, it's scary to think that they as hitters could be one pitch ahead of a pitcher in a sequence. That, that, that spells trouble for the opposing team. Yeah, what was that like in your career when you look over on the on-deck circle and you go, oh, no, that guy's coming up? Well, that's tough, right? That, that, any, any time the guy on deck starts to impact the <laughs> battle that you have going on with a man at the plate in the box, that is presence. And that's exactly who a Miguel Cabrera type is. But that's exactly what the A's have going on right here, in my opinion. You know, you don't want to see that big fellow Matt Olson lingering. And when he is and you've got men on base less than two outs, you better believe he is a factor. And that's not a comfortable place to be as a pitcher. Like I said, worried about a guy who doesn't have a bat in his hand just yet. What do you think about from a standpoint of everything's on the West Coast now other than the Texas game? So, you know, you're going to play in L.A., you're going to play in San Diego, but you're not having to go to New York or Tampa or Kansas City. What kind of advantage is that going to be for West Coast teams? Well, I think it's – I don't know if it's necessarily an advantage because if I'm correct, Tony, I believe the Oakland A's still travel the third most in baseball. And sure, it's 60 days, so it's all relative. But the, the ability to not lose hours and lose days of recovery and preparation, making that haul over to the right side of the continent, that's going to be wonderful as far as these guys being able to rest and capitalize on that recovery that is so sorely missed at times through a long baseball season. But on the flip side of that, we're not really dealing with that big, long baseball season. So for these guys to you know, essentially be able to sleep in their own bed at night in their own time zone for the majority of, of a very different season, I think that can only bode well. And, and and it's just crazy to think, like, you win one game, it's like winning 2.7 games. You lose one game, it's like losing 2.7 games. I mean, the amount of pressure that's on every single game, I think is going to make this so dramatic, and I can't wait for it to start. Well, that's exactly, that, that's exactly what I talk about when I think about this being a sprint instead of the marathon that a lot of people get, get used to or kind of hunker down for. 
Each and every at-bat matters. Pitch to pitch, it matters, folks. I promise you. So for me, County, tonight, even in an exhibition game, A's Giants, I am thinking about this as each pitch is going to get us to game seven or could mean game seven. That's how that's how much I'm hanging on every pitch because at bats in April, at bats in May, sometimes those get cashed in, right? On a day game, getaway day, maybe you're not getting an A lineup and maybe you're not getting that veteran guy's A swing early on because he says, you know what? I've got an at bat that I can really focus on in July or August coming. You can have this one. Well, not this season, my friend. Nay, nay. Yeah, can you imagine going into a season where your goal is to only get 12 starts? I mean, that's that's the motivation that I talk about, Tony, is, is it's all kind of being condensed for you, and it's all right in front of you. So when you kind of sparse up the season and you break it up and you're trying to you know, mentally take yourself through stages, the first half, second half, maybe it's a quarter or you're trying to break the season up in thirds, well, that's where you find yourself. As you are now at the latter third of your mental preparation that you go through in December, January, February, tell yourself, I want to be ready to rock those last 10 starts of the season because that's when I know it's going to be crunch time. We are here. Those starts we're talking about preparing for in January, February, those starts are here right now. They matter. You know what's going to be crazy is, you know, normally where you sit, kind of right behind the dugout or right next to the dugout, usually have all these fans around you. It's going to be you by yourself with a, with, with a bunch of cardboard cutouts. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, Dad, you might have to walk that back. It's not going to be me by myself. I've got me and some of the best-looking A's family members that I've got going around here. Uh, some of them seem a, a, a bit stiff. Early on, I'll say county, but they're they're gonna loosen up. I got no doubt about it. They're gonna loosen up. We're gonna have a great time. You don't come out here to a ball game in Oakland, whether you be a cardboard cutout or a human being, and have a bad time. That's just not gonna happen. Yeah, uh, Mark Kotze and I are, are are right next to each other. We'll be watching you. Sounds good. I actually found myself. Oh, you have one too. I do. I have one. I I, I have one right right behind myself. <laughs> I cannot wait. Baseball oh, he's overlooking tonight. me. Uh, I cannot wait to watch you guys tonight. I mean, I've been looking forward to it. I've been, you know, talking about Dallas, you know, being a baseball geek. I can't wait just to keep score, to watch the game. I don't care if it's the next game. I just, I'm just going to be so happy to watch you guys tonight. Yeah, that makes that makes at least three of us between me, Type, and Foss, and we'll count you as four. And hopefully the A's fans are excited and ready for some baseball. Well, you be well. Have a great call. And uh, next time we talk to you, Dallas, we'll actually be talking about baseball games. I can't wait, Tony. You know, Andrew, over the years, you know, watching you come up with the A's, be so successful, and now what you're uh, doing with the Giants, we're so happy for you. And I know a lot of A's fans, what you meant to this organization was fantastic. And just congratulations on, on what you got going. And we're all, we're all just happy baseball's back. Yeah, thank you very much. That, that really means a lot. Uh, I always enjoy, you know, coming back to the Bay Area, uh, Oakland especially. Uh, I'm really looking forward to, you know, the opportunity, obviously, with the Giants uh, across the Bay and, and uh, fun, fun times in Oakland. And I think everybody speaks for everybody that we're just excited to, uh, to have baseball back. And, you know, seeing it on TV the last couple nights has, has been really refreshing. And, and uh, hopefully this uh, 
we can kind of get back to a, to a little bit of normalcy and, and things are going to be weird from kind of our perspective, but I'm, I'm hoping the fans can really enjoy the game that we all love. What was it like for you just putting the uniform back on? And I, you know, you know, from a standpoint now as a coach and, 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 and helping players, what was it just like getting back into it? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was honestly tough, man. Um, you know, as a, as a former player, you're kind of, you know, fear of the unknown. You know, I, I was fortunate enough to, to have my degree from college and, and, uh, you know, but you grow up, you know, since you're five years old and playing the game and, you know, you start playing American Legion or travel ball now, and you really don't know anything different. So it's, it's kind of a scary landscape and, you know, some anxiety can set in. And, uh, fortunately I was blessed with the opportunity to join, uh, Mike Socha's staff right after I got done playing and kind of, a introductory, you know, coaching position and, and, um, you know, so, so obviously welcomed that with open arms and was able to stay in the game. So, you know, the first year was really, really strange, um, you know, kind of coming to terms with like your ability not to do the things that you're trying to get uh, your, your, your players to do and, and really falling in love with the game from a, from a different lens and, and a different viewpoint was really uh, awesome for me. Uh, and now with the Giants as, you know, the pitching coach, just being able to share my knowledge um, with the players, helping them you know, throughout their career or their career getting started and, and wherever I can fit in and let them go do their job. So um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still growing, uh, always open-minded and, and really uh, looking forward to this opportunity. I mean, when you look at your guys, like how in shape are they? How much were they throwing, you know, when, when they were back wherever they were back home? Uh, Cause that's, yep. kind of, you know, that, that's kind of the thing we've all, we all kind of like wondered, like, are, are they ready to go? What was that like? They come back and, and how much are they ready just to go? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's a, a difficult question. I think it's a very uh, individual answer. Um, you know, a lot of guys, depending on the resources they had, right. Um, is, you know, there's two ends of the spectrum. You know, you had some guys only capable of throwing into a net in their garage. If they were in an area of the country where it was completely shut down, other guys, you know, maybe had, um, you know, some facilities open for a little bit longer when they were at home. So they were able to go train and throw off a mound and stay fresh. And then also you have to, you have the human element as well. Obviously, you know, we're in a pandemic and, you know, just, you know, the, the anxiety of going to the grocery store is a real thing and the stress level that, you know, these guys as human beings are feeling as well. So there's a lot of variety uh, and, and, you know, personalities and, and issues that, you know, kind of challenged, you know, us as, as people throughout the, the, the downtime away from baseball. So really it was just kind of a constant communication of, Hey, how can we help? How can we support you? How, how what do you need from us? You know, where are you at helping them build out some throwing programs based off of, um, you know, where they were at in, in their programs and or in, in, in the country. So um, for us, it was, it was just being, being communicative with them and, and, you know, letting them know that we're here to support them and, and not letting them off on their own and, and guiding them through the shutdown and, and communicating as much as we could uh, based off of what we were hearing from Major League Baseball and then the players, you know, communicating with us and just really making sure that everyone came in fresh, ready to go. So, um, you know, hopefully we can eliminate um, some of the potential injuries from a quick startup. You know, back in the day with the A's, you were the kind of guy that you took the ball, you wanted the ball constantly. So I, I think yeah. about that as a coach. Um, 
What is that like? I mean, because you got to like you got you in, in a way you have to protect these guys. You don't know yeah. how many innings you can get out of the starters. You know, like what are your expectations of your staff? Yeah, I mean, our, our my expectations is is for our guys to be honest with how they're feeling, um, taking the ball. Um, you know, when when the, when when uh, Cap gives it to them and and go out and pitch uh, until we take it away from them. You know, and and for us, it's it's they're all on board with that. We understand that, um, you know, the game is, is changing a little bit, um, you know, and, and we'll be creative when we need to. But um, for me, as a, as a, as a, p- a former pitcher and, and throwing through injuries and pain, I, you know, did that to, to, a, to a fault. And, uh, you know, so just having these guys uh, trust you is huge and understanding that we're here for them. We want them to be on the field. Um, and, and just continuing those conversations. So expectations, man, I don't really, I don't really know, you know, obviously there's not going to be any 200 inning pitchers or, you know, you know, potentially 15 game winners or whatever it is, but, um, you know, so things, there's a lot of new things and, and every game is worth three. And, um, so our ability to go out and win, win ball games fast and get off to a great start, uh, is, is going to be exciting. Yeah. I think about from a standpoint of a bullpen, we're probably going to see more pitchers than we've ever seen before per game. And I don't yeah. know what that's going to be like. I mean, just, but you have to manage that. What, what do you think that's going to be like? Yeah. I mean, it's, there's going to be some uniqueness to it as, you know, also, um, you know, not only a uniqueness of a shorter season, but we also have three batter minimum, which is a new hurdle for coaches, pitching coaches and players. Right. So, not only is, you know, we're adding new rules into a shortened season. Uh, so it's definitely going to be unique and there's going to be a lot of strategy involved and, you know, the ability for your relievers to go back to back early in the season. I mean, maybe some teams will, some teams won't um, really value usage. And again, like you hear it a lot around the league and the industry is, you know, the healthiest team both on the field and, and from a, from a, a, a COVID standpoint, you know, has a really great chance of winning. So you know, we're, we're, uh, we're doing our best as a, as an organization to, to stay safe as keep our players, um, and our players understand the value in that. And then it's our job as coaches and, and an organization to keep our guys healthy as possible on the field as well. So, um, you know, I think there's a real competitive advantage in that and, and we're going to do our best to, you know, stay, stay connected with our players on how they're feeling and continue to build them up as we can. You know, I think about the three batter minimum. That wouldn't have been a problem for you. I mean, you would attack that. But how do you coach that? Now? I mean, what what is that like? I mean, you know, no one's coming to get you. How how do you coach that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just to set the precedent on you know getting outs from 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 pitch one, right? Like if you bring in a lefty to face you know uh, uh, two lefties, and you know you need him to get two outs. Like there's a there's a heightened awareness on the importance of, of, of doing that because you have the righty, you know, coming up third or what have you. But uh, I think there's going to be some interesting strategy and um, implementation of, of, you know, different techniques. And, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think our guys are aware of it and um, you know, we have the, we have the utmost confidence in, in all of our guys to get both handedness hitters out. You know, we got a chance to talk to Gabe Kapler down at the winter meetings in San Diego, and he's a fascinating guy. What What, what is it like? I mean, obviously, both of you guys are former players. He was a position player. You, of course, you were an all-star and you were a pitcher. But what is it like working with him? Because he, he really is an interesting – he's a very smart guy. 
Yes, he's very, very intelligent, and and one of his biggest strong strong points is his communication skills. I, I don't really think I've ever met anyone who has been able to communicate with staff, media, uh, players uh, on a consistent basis like Gabe. I mean, great in-game manager, and then you add on the communication level layers, and you know his belief in in you know kind of you know the the family environment and creating great environments not only for our players and our coaches and you know Gabe and I as as former players really rely on a lot of our staff who aren't former players I mean I've said this from from day one is you know those our our other staff members have been honing in their skills on coaching and information and the use of technology and a lot of different things that you see in the game right now for the last 15 or 20 years and you know Gabe you know obviously was out of the game before I was but you know, we were focused on our on the field thing. So me and him rely heavily on our other staff members that bring other things to the table and um, really value that. So Gabe is, is amazing at, at working with people, um, structure and communication. And it's been it's been a blessing to work with him. You know, what is it for you as a former? You know, I mean, obviously you were a terrific pitcher and an all star and going through your career. What is it like for you? when you got to deal with this pitching staff, I mean, there's, there, there, I know it's special to you as a teacher and, and what you can do for but, but I got to think for you with these guys, it means so much. And I know how much you care about the game. What is it like for you now as basically to help these guys be as successful as they possibly can be? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's not too much intervention, obviously, with our with our uh, older veteran pitchers. It's it's letting them uh, go compete and compete as they're comfortable, and and hopefully, um, you know, little bits of pieces of, of information here and there. And you know, our staff is hungry. We have a lot of of younger guys, uh, a lot of guys in in different parts of their careers that are trying to achieve different things. And um, it's really just letting them be themselves and kind of guiding them when when there's when there when there needs to be guidance but um i'm really excited about our staff i think we can do a lot of great things this season um and we have a lot of hunger hungerness in in, in within our pitching staff in general so uh it's kind of a younger group it's it's uh it's it's an exciting time to to be in the giants organization and and i think uh you know expectations man it's it's going to be fun to watch well, you know, with the A's, we're always going to be rooting for you. It's tough that you're now with the Giants, but uh, we're always going to be rooting for you. And, and, and you know, it's great to hear your voice. Great to have you on. We truly appreciate it. Good luck to you and uh, and everything you guys are doing with the Giants. And, uh, you know, you, you know, we're just we're just all just happy the game is back. Yeah, I, I, we're all excited for that. And it, it is funny to, to it's it's awesome to be in the Giants uniform and, and really uh honored with my time with the A's and it's, it's funny, you know, Pablo and I, we go back and forth about the, the Bay area, uh, Bay series all the time and, and, uh, facing him in that. And it's, it's great to have, you know, that, that camaraderie and that connection there. And it's, it's been, it's been fun to wear this uniform and really looking forward to getting back to the Coliseum tonight and, and playing the A's. Yeah. It's great to hear your voice. Good luck and everything. And I can't wait to talk to you during the regular season. Sounds good, Chris. Take care, man. Well, it's great to have him back. He's an absolute A's legend. He's a World Series champion. He was one of the great coaches for the Oakland Athletics, and now he's doing his thing for the Los Angeles Angels. It's always great to have him back here on A's Cast Live. Mike Gallego, how are you? Hi, Chris. I'm doing great. It's great to uh, it's great to be back home. Uh, I would say I, I can't wait to uh, see all my ex 
coaches and teammates and uh, the fans, but one out of three is not bad anyways. Well, I got to tell you, during this break, we honored the 1989 team. Uh, of course, the team you were on won a world championship. And, you know, looking back, and we, we actually played the, the ALCS against the Blue Jays on NBC California, and then we played the World Series. You know, before we start talking about this season, reminiscing about that year, what a great run it was. But winning the World Series in 1989, talk about how that truly is one of the most complete teams in the history of the game. Well, you know, there's there is definitely quite a few rock stars on that team, no doubt. Um, uh, but the amazing thing, all the different personalities, all the uh, uh, different superstars we had, uh, Tony uh, corralled us uh, by the first pitch every single day. And uh, he got us all thinking you know, the same way, you know, all we did was one positive thing uh, to help in a baseball game. And when you have that much talent and thinking so elementary like that, uh, it put things in perspective and, and allowed us to play the good fundamentally sound baseball. We actually played with the abundance of, of uh, uh, super talent, you know? So with that combination, uh, obviously we were a pretty tough team to beat that year. And, and uh, you know, we also, uh, you know, uh, held each other accountable. And, um, you know, at the same time, it's baseball. It was just baseball. We went out and had a good time. We had a lot of fun. Like I said, we had a lot of different personalities for sure. And, um, you know, uh, believe me, it was it was uh, uh, a laugh a minute. But at the same time, we were very focused and, and uh, uh, you know, paid uh, much attention to uh, the task at hand and what we had to do on the field every single day. You know, Dave Stewart told us that there were some hotels, there were so many people there, autograph seekers and fans, you guys couldn't go through the, the front lobby. You had to go in the back door. Well, uh, most of them did. I, I was able to walk right through and nobody recognized me, so I, I had no problem with any of that. that was, uh, you know, it's a funny thing now. It's, it's Now with everyone wearing masks, nobody can recognize anybody, but they recognize me. I don't understand. Hey, you're a legend. Who are you kidding? Stop downplaying it. Uh, you know, we're going into this season. Obviously, it's 60 games in 66 days. Uh, as a coach, I mean, how do you see it? It's kind of like anybody's game. Oh, I mean, it's up for grabs. You know, uh, you know, we all know how this game can go. And, and uh, you know, with a regular season, you know, it's usually those, those stronger teams that, you know, uh, come out on top, obviously. Uh, you know, they just wear other teams down. Um, but with 60, 60 games like this, um, like you said, it, it could be anybody's game. All it takes is one or two hot streaks, and you're right in the thick of things. So, uh, obviously, there's going to be, you know, you have to pay more, even more attention uh, to every single uh, play that you make, every single run that counts, um, you know, the, every single pitch. It, it, the, old, the old pain, one pitch at a time, it really comes true this season with this 60-game uh, uh protocol that we have for for the for the mlb you mentioned uh coming back home tonight to oakland and what it means to you and i gotta think the same thing for joe madden and all the years he was with mike Sosha uh down there in anaheim what, what's his return been like it, this this man is uh you know I, i've been fortunate to be a part of a lot of a lot of great teams and and play for great managers and work for great 
managers and coaches. Uh, this guy's special. Uh, talk about a guy that's down to earth. Uh, he loves the game. He loves his team. He loves his paper, his players. He loves the fans. He just loves what he does. And, um, you know, it reflects on us. You know, we come to the ballpark and talk about a guy that's, you know, a cool cucumber. This guy is just nice and relaxed, um, but at the same time doesn't miss a beat. And uh, we have uh, him, you know, at the helm running running the ship, and uh, uh, he, he, he brings this relaxed atmosphere to the ball club. The players, uh, you know, respond to that. The coaching staff, he allows us to do our job. Uh, he never micromanages anybody. Uh, but it, at the same time, like I said, he's paying attention to everything that we do. You may not think he is, but he is. But uh, he likes to have fun. He's, uh, um, you know, a little, he's got a lot of old school in him. But at the same time, he's on top of all the analytical side of things. And, and uh, uh, a, a guy that is uh, very well prepared. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to, you know, I've been in the game for quite a few years, years now. And, and I'm excited to uh, uh, be schooled by him and, and, you know, continue to learn. And, and uh, uh, you know, I'm thankful for my opportunity. And, and I'm really excited about uh, uh, the ball club that we, we are going to bring out on that field every single day and, and the coaching staff that I'm a part of. You know, you played with some of the greatest players who have ever lived, and you've been around them also as a coach. When you see Mike Trout every single day, how good really is he, and who does he compare to? Well, um, he doesn't compare to one guy, for sure. I mean, you, you, you see a lot of different superstars in this guy you know with with his speed you know you can talk his speed and and you know you think of uh, a ricky henderson speed uh you talk about his knowledge of the game and you, and you think about a carney lancer uh you think of his power and obviously the mcguire and conseco come to it uh, uh his athleticism uh you know is uh, tremendous you know uh, and you think about a walt white athleticism but this is baseball instinct and baseball knowledge you know, you got to go back to the old school, you know, you know, uh, Mickey Mantle, those type of guys, uh, you know, he, he, he reminds me of. And, and uh, you know, as far as a person, this guy's unbelievable. I mean, he's a guy that is so humble and um, he's one of those coaches, one of those players that he's always looking to get better. You know, he's, he'll pick your brain. He'll ask for extra work. He's usually the first one at the ballpark and the last one to leave. And I mean, He's not, he's not at the ballpark early and, and playing video games. He's in, the, he's in the weight room. He's in the cage. He's in the trainer's room. He's out there, you know, working on his defense. You know, this kid is one of the best, if not the best, baseball player in the game today. And um, he continues to get better, and, and he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't slack off. He's, he's, he's ready to do whatever it takes uh, to continue to get better. So he's a student of the game and, and uh, a trend, like I said, tremendous person, and he's He's fun to watch, no doubt. You know, I'm, I'm, we're all privileged to uh, uh, be able to see him day in and day out, just about just to watch how he goes about his business. And he's been wearing the A's out for years, and he's going to continue to wear the A's out for a long time. He's a special guy, and also special. It, it, you look at the skill set of Shohei Otani, and I remember the first time we saw him in Oakland. I couldn't believe just how tall and fast he is. I mean, he's taking BP at the Coliseum. He's launching balls out. Then you see him get on the mound, and he's got great stuff. I mean, to, to talk about a skill set of pitching, power, playing the game, Gags, we haven't seen this since Babe Ruth. 
What's he like to be around? <laughs> well, he definitely would have made the All Star team in Little League and on my RBA and uh, my RBA league. Super Rivera, no doubt. He was he would have been one of the better players to be able to pitch and hit like he does and run. Um, but uh, he's he's also going to be an All Star for the uh, uh, Major League Baseball as well. This guy, uh, like you said, he's got this young baby face. He's uh, he's got a smile on his face every single day. Loves the game, absolutely loves the game. Um, he almost he actually gets. He, we always have to pull him back uh, because of his workload from you know getting his bullpens in, being prepared for his start. Um, you know they try to balance the hitting and and the pitching uh, so he doesn't overload himself. But uh, you know he 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 just can't wait to get in the batter's box. And then when you watch him throw his bullpens or throw a simulated game i haven't seen him pitch in a real game personally actually and and uh, so i'm looking forward to that but um the stuff that he has uh is um, unbelievable and uh, like you said the strides when he run I, I i got to coach third for with him running last year and talk about a guy that gets on you in a hurry from first to third you have to pay attention you know you're looking for the ball in the gap and all of a sudden he's on you you got to make a decision right away he's that fast so um, yeah, tremendous athlete. Another another guy that is uh, uh, a guy that is a lot of fun to watch. Um, another kid that and loves the game. And uh, again, it's uh, <laughs> we consider ourselves very lucky to, to be able to uh, you know watch these guys go about their business every single day. I remember when we had your yeah. I guess it wasn't called a bobblehead. It was like an action figure uh, of you coaching third base and. I don't think people really understand how tough a position that is as a coach, how much you have to study. You have to know everybody's arms. You've got to know every, as you just mentioned, like Otani, knowing his speed and his ability. Just explain to people how tough it is to be a third base coach and all the effort that goes into being a great one. Well, you know, all our all our fathers and all the dads out there, I'm sure they coach third base one time or the other, you know, and, and for their son's little league team. And uh, it's, it's a little different here. You know, uh, you definitely have to do your homework. You know, uh, you know, every, every series I knew, you know, the, the strength of every, every outfielder's arm, opponent, opponent's uh, outfielder's arms. Uh, I knew, uh, I knew if they threw better on a fly ball, if they threw better on a, on a ground ball, I knew uh, if they threw better moving to the right or left, I, I knew uh, if they would sit back, on ball on ground balls hit at them or were they good closers on the ground ball um, i knew how the field played i knew if the ball was you know if the grass was cut certain ways the ball's going to snake i knew if it was wet you know at the wind there's a lot of things that come into play and at the same time you have to use your third eye to make sure you see the jump that the runner gets you know so you have you know you you have to pay attention to a lot of different things also you got to know the score you got to know who's coming up you got to know what that uh, guy that's on deck what his numbers are against the reliever that's coming in, you know? So uh, there's a lot of things that come into play. And at the same time, uh, when you send him and he's safe, everyone, you know, cheers for that base runner. When you send him and he's out, they all look at the third base coach wondering why the hell did you send him? You know? So it's, it's sort of a thankless job. Um, but at the same time, it's one of the most important jobs as a coach on the field, obviously, and, and has actually, uh, you know, can determine a win or a loss every single day. So there's a lot of pressure on the third base coach, and um, but at the same time, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's the closest you can be uh, to still to be still being a player and and being a manager at the same time. 
And, uh, you know, because you have to think like a base runner, like a player, but you also have to think like a manager as well because of, uh, of setting up, uh, you know, the, the things that are coming up uh, behind the base runners. So um, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, uh, focus every single day. And I'll tell you what, you know, I, I, I was fortunate to, uh, uh, you know, feel like, you know, I was, I was a decent third base coach, but um, being around this, our third base coach now, Brian Butterfield, wow, uh, uh, this guy's prepared. And he's one of the best I've ever seen. And, and it's great to uh, uh, be a, a, a coach mate with him and, and uh, to learn from his, uh, his, uh, ex, ex, uh, his experience and, and um, uh, you know, great guy as well. And, and uh, he knows what he's doing out there. So keep an eye on that guy. Well, you're always going to be a big part of the A's family. We always appreciate you stopping by here on A's Cast Live. Good luck to you guys. 60 games in 66 days. I wish I could come see you at the ballpark, but uh doesn't look like it'll be this season. But take care and be safe and have a good season. All right, Chris. I appreciate you reaching out. And, uh, uh, again, uh, it's great to be home. And um, I send my best to all the Oakland A's fans out there. Two-time World Series champion, two-time Rawlings Gold Glove winner, two-time All-Star, the face of the franchise, the great Ray Fossey is with us here as we get you ready for the A's and the Giants. Foss, I can't tell you how great it was to see you on TV last night. Well, I hope – did you hear my comment about uh, the PA announcer for – since Dick Callahan's not coming back, and I said the great Chris Townsend – is going to end his career at two and zero. He's not coming back. Did you hear that? Of course I did. And you are correct. I, I'm two and zero, and I'm going out undefeated. I, I listen. When you told me that, I, I was I I just jumped right in. I said, "Townie's not going to do it. The great Townie's not going to do it. He's two and zero, and he's going to end right there." But now it was uh, it was a little bit different last, uh, obviously, and it's going to be even more different tonight as I'm sitting in the booth right now. And I have this huge monitor with a whole bunch of screens on it. And I have a, another monitor that's going to be the, um, the, I guess, the monitor for the, for the actual game. But it is going to be interesting. As I look to my right and I see Ken Korak, and to his right, I see Vince Catronio. And we will broadcast tonight's game right here. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I hope they don't turn out the lights. I mean, I hope they turn some auxiliary lights on or something because, you know, it's going to be a little scary being in here just uh, – just the three of us and Michael Barrett, our engineer, and that's going to be it. But it's going to be it's going to be good. Uh, last night, I thought, under the circumstances with nobody in the stands, they did a tremendous job. The A's did of uh, piping in the music, of course, and then the. I actually I have a double ear flap, uh, so I can't hear unless I take it off. Uh, but I took it off a couple of times just to hear what they were piping in when the A's were hitting, et cetera. And it was great to hear the drums played in right field, and and various things happening. And it was pretty much in sync with uh, with everything that was going on. And I was impressed uh, and seeing the, the cutouts and all that stuff. It, it was a little bit different, but still it's baseball. And I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. Speaking of cutouts, all of us have done modern day pictures of our cutouts. Uh, and what I saw <laughs> last night is like Ray Fossey from 1973 or 74. Why not, Tony? Come on. You know, I mean, I wanted people to see what I really looked like that long ago, you know, with the long hair and the dark hair and dark mustache. And (laughs) in in my stance, you know, Doug McWilliams did a great job of uh, taking the photograph and I choose, I I wanted to show it. So 
you know, sitting next to Vine. I didn't know where they were going to put it, but it was behind the MLB people. And, uh, uh, of course, Tommy Hansel, a great director for NBC Sports California, along with the Laird Lures, our producer. You know, they found it, and uh, they were showing the different ones. But uh, as I look out over the stadium now, I can see even more. And I think we're going to see a lot more as the season progresses where the, the people will get involved with the cutouts, and they'll keep putting them out there. But, yeah, I, I decided to go that route, um, you know, uh, I've been broadcasting a heck of a lot longer than I was a player, but sometimes I like to think about what it was like to be a player. And uh, even though when I wake up in the morning, I have no clue how I did it because the way I feel physically. But, you know, it was great just to uh, say, hey, that's it. And remember, Doug McWilliams, great photographer back in the 70s. He did it for Tops. He donated all of his still photos. And Doug was one of the last photo photographers to to do head and shoulders. So the Hall of Fame and various uh, sports publications, you know, sure you can see the action shots, but Doug had all the stills of the head and shoulders. And I think that's what set him aside. And uh, I, th I thought it was appropriate. That's the one I'm going to bring out. And uh, Doug did a great job and the green and gold and the long hair and the dark hair. Hey, what's wrong with that? Love it. Go to athletic.com. <laughs> slash cutouts that's athletics.com slash cutouts as we're adding more cutouts and as you guys talked about on the broadcast last night it was funny like dogs and cats and <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well you knew tony larusso was going to get involved with arf you know you yeah. knew that was going to be a part of it and and you know on the other side which i thought was very impressive that uh mike piscotti uh the father of steven and of course they lost their mother to als they're having a section so i think people can donate money and you give a have a cardboard cutout and the money will go to the ALS Foundation, which the Piscottis have started in honor of their mother. So I, I think that's special in itself. And and you know, speaking of Piscotti, how about him coming back last night? He would not have been on the active roster if the season had started normally. And and granted, I think as he has said before, he would have loved to have seen the season start on time and he being on the IL to get ready. But as it turns out, and as Bob Melvin commented, he thought he would look like he's a midseason form or at least great shape. And he hit the home run that just kept carrying, made a couple of great plays in right field. And there are some, and not just with the A's, but throughout baseball, who benefited from the time off to be able to get healthy. And I, I think in that respect, they are happy to be able to have done that. But I think in, in general, they would have all liked to have seen baseball start back in, in late March and, and be you know, into four months of the season by now. But at least we have baseball. It was great to see it last night, as I mentioned to you earlier. And uh, we'll do it again tonight. So we'll, we'll start it for real on Friday. And uh, it's going to be baseball. I think that's the most important thing. What was the uh, shortest season you ever played in? Well, it, you know, Tony, I was, uh, as I mentioned, and have talked to you about being a player representative in 1972. Uh, that one was, was not that uh derailed i mean we we lost a few games and settled but the 1994 when they canceled the end of the season and all postseason no world series and all of that as a broadcaster that was devastating i was a player but but that was devastating to have a season end and know that there would be no october baseball no no world championship uh, team to be honored in 94 and, and then that was tough and then that carried on into 1995 with the replacement players a little bit but uh, from a player standpoint, I was fortunate, even though we had some work stoppages, to me, they were worthwhile because we were, we were doing it for a reason. And not to say that the players feel that what they're doing now is, is not for a reason, but I, I think it was much different because we had nothing then. 
it was totally uh, ownership and the players had nothing. And Marvin Miller, the uh, actually now the Hall of Fame uh, uh, representative for us on the uh, player side, he, he would have gone in this uh, this July, late July, but they canceled that. So, uh, but but he was good in, in getting the players back to somewhat of normalcy with regard to uh, where they stand. But, uh, you know, baseball is so profitable for both players and the owners. There should never, ever be a work stoppage. And there's not been one since 94. And let's hope and pray that by the end of the 21 season, when they have their next CBA expiration, that they can, can continue without any hesitation with the, this great game of baseball. Because it's been great for both sides. Yeah, I think you and I need to get on a plane uh, and, and, and go meet <laughs> with these people. Because I actually uh, – I was on a couple all-star teams with Tony Clark back in the day in San Diego. And we, Foss, yeah. you and I should sit down at the table and look at look at Manfred and look at Tony Clark and go, what are you guys doing here? I mean, like, exactly. like, like if we could go back to 94 and look at all the participants and go, do you realize how stupid you were to cancel the season and the World Series and how you hurt? Your, I mean, this is your business. You're basically flushing your business down the toilet. What are you doing? You know, I agree 100%. And, and you know, we've talked also how we thought, everybody thought that there was an agreement when uh, Tony Clark and uh, Rob Manfred met in Arizona, went face-to-face. And with all the social media, it's the email, the text messages. You know, you go face-to-face and just exactly what you're saying. Get across the table, hammer it out, and say, basically – I'm not going to bed. You're not going to bed until we get some sort of agreement so we can get go on forward with this great game of baseball. Tony, this game of baseball is to, so good. And, and, you know, there would never be a survey, but I would love to find out how many people enjoyed baseball in 94, but when that strike occurred, how many said, I'll never watch baseball again. That's been a long time, but I would venture to say there are some people who have never come back to this game of baseball. And we, we saw what happened with Cal Ripken Jr. and Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire kind of bringing it back, but I'm sure there's still people because look at Montreal by itself. The the people in Montreal, they may have won the World Series. Uh, They had such a great team in Montreal, and when they canceled the season, and then all of a sudden, you know, they disbanded pretty much, so players went elsewhere. I'm sure a lot of those Canadians would never watch baseball again, but uh, it's too good of a game, and as I look out over this great field, again, as we talked last night, you know, this is what, what America is about to me because baseball is something that everybody always believed as a child uh, I, I know you and Cody I know you played and I'm sure Cody played along the line and said yeah I can do that I can play baseball everybody dreams about being a professional baseball player or being able to be a great baseball player because it, it looks simple it's a hard game but it does look like it's a possibility because to me it's a bunch of individual players making up a team you work together as a team if I don't succeed you pick me up and let's go on and, and try to win this thing. And, and that's what makes good, uh, baseball so great. And that's why anytime there's any sort of negotiations and, and negative about the game, it just means that some people say, I've had enough. We don't need that in this great game of baseball. We do not need it because to me, it's still, it's what the old Chevrolet uh, apple pie and baseball. I mean, it, it's still, it's still a great game. It always will be. And let's just hope uh, both sides. So when you make the flight arrangements and I'll join you, buddy, we'll take yeah, Cody along as well. We'll, we'll take going, Cody along. We're going to New York and we're going to rattle some cages. Uh, yeah. Since, since I'm not allowed at the ballpark, you know, the one That's thing I'm, I'm, I'm wondering is about the baseball. 
Because clearly, like Michael Baird, our great engineer, had a baseball from like five years ago. So we compared mm-hmm. they were com- the baseball from five years ago to last year, completely different. The ball's different. Can you yep. find out what are, are we still dealing with the same baseball as last year? Are the seams now higher again? Less friction? Just I, I'm really curious to see what what ball we're playing with. Did you see Piscotti's home run? There's a fly ball to left field back to the one. It's gone. Yeah. You know, that ball just kept carrying. I, I watched batting practice down. ball was jumping out of here. So, you know, the, the, the sad part is that if they did it in a regular season and postseason, granted you're facing the best pitchers in baseball and maybe you don't have the opportunity to hit home runs, but I think they're looking at the same baseball that they had last year. Now, to your point about what Michael Baird said, Blake Trinan, when he was with the A's last year, he said, man, I'd love to look at a baseball in the past because this one just feels hard as a rock. And I said, Blake, I've got one. So I went in my office. I got a baseball that was maybe three or four years old. And I could tell because when, whenever I've been asked to sign an autograph, which I'm always pleased whenever people ask me, it, it's hard to write on. It's hard to write on the baseball. But the baseball that I had that I showed Blake, you, you know, you could see some indentation in the leather. Kind of gave a little bit when you wrote into the baseball with your signature. It's very hard to do that with the baseball I saw last year. I, to be honest, have not seen one this year. But watching the ball fly last night, as it did during batting practice, and the way the ball carried during the game, whether as, as Slater hit a couple of balls that in right center, it looked like they were going to be a can of corn, routine fly balls. They go to the wall. And so I think something's going on with the baseball because people like offense. And if that's the case, then so be it. But if a pitcher cannot grip the baseball and make the pitches that he wants – you know what I would do? Now they, They're allowing them to put a rag in their back pocket to avoid having to touch a rosin bag. I would put some substance on that as to stick them so that if I'm a hitter, you use whatever you want to. I don't want that, that ball to get away from you and hit me because you can't grip it properly. But I think it is a different baseball, and I think to some degree it, it really affects, I think a big degree, it affects the way the ball travels and the way the offense has really come alive. And maybe that's why you have the launch angles and guys hitting home runs because, man, with the way the ball carries, why not? Well, all I know is I was at Heritage Park in Cleveland, and you were telling me there was nothing on the baseball when Gaylord Perry was out there pitching. (laughs) Oh, no, there wasn't. (laughs) But it did funny things. It it did funny things, didn't it? You know, as as the great Gaylord, I would say, my partner – he had that North Carolina. He said, my partner, he said, I just, I just threw what my partner called, you know, that, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it, it was, I tell you what, you talk about a competitor, man. He, he was top of the list. And uh, we were talking last night when the DH and of course, how it's going to be universal and, you know, counting something to talk about because Pablo Sandoval is a DH in San Francisco tonight. But you know, the good thing for Chris Davis, he does not have to play in the field, even when the A's play, in the National League Parks. And it's going to be something in the future. And I've always felt, and people don't like to hear me say this, but they call the American League the junior circuit. And they say that the National League, because they did not want the, the DH and the American League did, they would never agree to have the DH because the American League had it first. But I think we're going to see that. But I, I think it's going to be beneficial because, you know, you as a pitcher, when you pitched, and let's say you had the eighth and ninth place hitters, the ninth place being a pitcher, you know, you basically were facing seven guys in the lineup. Now the National League pitchers are going to have to face nine hitters versus taking the easy on the eighth place hitter. That eighth place hitter has to be disciplined. 
uh, in the net, well, prior to this year and, and perhaps even in the future, because, you know, if you know the pitcher is up next and they're not going to pinch it, why would you pitch to him? And so, you know, he may take a walk, he may swing at a pitch out of the strike zone, uh, but, but it's a little bit different. But I think now with the universe of DH, it's going to change the game to the point that, uh, you know, as I said last night, my score sheet, my scorebook is going to be very much, uh, it's going to be a lot nicer because yeah. I didn't like to go to the National League Parks and double switches and all the, all the stuff going on. It was a mess, you know. So this way, <laughs> it, 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 will, it will be just like in the American League, which, uh, you know, put nine players in. And really, I, I think two counting, you, you take a pitcher, while he may be disappointed that he doesn't get to hit, Gaylord Perry, and again, I've talked about this before, in 72 before the DH, he had 40 starts, 342 innings of a possible 360 if you look at the nine times of the 40 starts that he had. But the thing is, let's say in the seventh inning, a tie game, sixth inning, pitcher's out. They're going to take him out, put a pinch hitter in. Well, now, if a pitcher's pitching well, say in a National League park, he can stand again. Say Clayton, Clayton Kershaw, who loved to hit anyway, but, you know, let's, let's take a pitcher who is not a good hitter, but he's a good pitcher. Then, you know, he's going to stay in the game because he does not have to come out because the DH is being employed. So I think it's going to benefit the National League from that regard. But I think it's also going to pay, play a little bit different was with regard to nine hitters in the lineup versus seven, maybe count eight if you want to be eighth place hitter. But definitely most pitchers don't hit. How well did you hit, Tony, as a pitcher? Uh, my career high school average uh, was 449. Well, that's bad because everybody hit over 500, so that's terrible. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> hey, I led all of San Diego in doubles too. I was a, I was an OPS <laughs> machine. By the way, Ray, you think about DH and how it extends the careers of great players. I think of like that's your right. teammate, Reggie Jackson or George Brett or Paul Molitor, Dave Winfield, the Cobra Dave Parker. It extends guys because you know what? You know, you may not be able to play in the field, but you can still rake and still hit. So, that I mean, I've always thought it was a joke when I hear nationally people go, that's not real baseball. We have the DH in high school. We got it in junior college, regular college, minor leagues. Everybody has the DH but the National League. So, I think that's ridiculous. And, by the way, you're very humble. I have been on the road with you and the A's. People wait in the lobby to get your autograph when you come off the bus. <laughs> well, that's very kind of you. But, you know, the, the, the one true. thing about – well, but, you know, there are pitchers who can't hit. And, and being in the American League, as I have throughout my career as a player and a broadcaster, and especially now as a broadcaster, to see that whenever, again, prior to this year where they're going to have the DH, to watch the hitters get excited, but all they can do is go up in the cage. And last year with Mike Aldretti, the assistant hitting coach, he would flip to them and they could swing. Because they're so concerned that if a pitcher, as a hitter, Swings too hard, he could hurt his oblique. And uh, was it Chingming Wong or somebody um, tore both ha- both uh, Achilles running the bases? I mean, it, it's really terrible if you think about it. And that's why, you know, even you, you want to save a, a player. Sometimes you put a pitcher in the pinch run. Why would you do that and take a chance of him hurting himself? But I, I think the DH is going to be very good for baseball. Because if people want offense, they're going to get offense, and especially in the National League. And be a purist, I don't care. I just think it's something that, uh, like you said, if you, if, I've talked to guys who say, uh, I say, when's the last time you hit? I said, I've never had a bat in my hand. And you're right. In, in amateur baseball, all the way through the college, they don't, they get in the minor leagues, they don't. And then to get in the big leagues, the National League Park, they have to hit. 
What do they practice on? Bunting. And you just hope and pray that there's somebody on base. I don't care. One out, definitely not two, but one out or nobody out. They're up there to sacrifice, get a runner over, and get him back in the dugout unhurt so he doesn't have to worry about anything except pitching. And I think that's where it's going to be beneficial. If I were a pitcher in the National League, I would be ecstatic about the DH coming into the National League because, you know, secretly I could say, you know, I could stay in the game if I'm pitching well instead of having to come out. How frustrating it has to be. And, again, you as a pitcher to have to come out of a game pitching well, but because it's a tie game or you're trending by run and you have to come out instead of staying in the game. And I think that's why Gaylord in 1972 was 24 and 16 because he stayed in those games in which they were close and maybe we were trailing by a run, but he stayed in because he was pitching so well and maybe ended up getting a victory or losing a game by one run. But I think it's going to be beneficial for baseball. You know, we, we, we've been uh, throwing this around and Ray, I really think relievers are going to be so valuable in this yeah. 60 game to where I think we could see, you know, let's just take Liam Hendricks. If he has, X amount of saves and wins, he could be the MVP. I think that I think it's realistic that uh, an MVP may a, a reliever may be the MVP. But one guy Cody and I were talking about, if Jesus Lozardo kind of has the role that he had last year, where he comes in yeah. after a starter and he can pitch multiple times in a week, just how valuable is an electric arm like that when you can throw it more than once every five days? Well, look at Dennis Eckersley. When Tony La Russa put him in the bullpen, he said that exact same thing. He said, I'd rather have you available to close a game pitching an inning versus having you as a starter and using you basically once every five days or maybe once a week. But I agree with you. But, you know, Tony, along those lines with, with Lazardo uh, evidently testing positive, he had to delay. And now you see A.J. Puck is out. Uh, who knows? And let's hope he's back sooner than later. But the depth of this starting staff, you look at Daniel Mingdon, who was not going to be available to start the season, and he steps in in the place of Puck, and it looks like Bassett's going to step in, well, he is, in, in, in place of Lazardo. So what Jesus can do, I agree with you. There's no limit on the innings because it's a shortened season this year, but that may be a utilization of somebody to come out of the bullpen, and you're right. The way he did it last year, coming in in Houston with his, his debut, blew those guys away. I mean, it was electric to see that. And because he is so good, he doesn't have to throw that many pitches, and he can go multiple innings. So you have him, you have Petit from the right side, you know, you have these guys that you can utilize and, and be able to use them more than maybe just once every fifth day. But I think the depth of the ball club is already showing that it could be there. But, you know, in the case last night, Tally, did we talk about the possibility of uh, the opening night starter and who it might be, Frankie Montas? Because he's throwing 100. Can you imagine an Angels hitter facing him Friday night and what they're going to have to do to change their approach? Because intra-squad games are good. The sim games are good. And you've noticed that with this uh, second spring training that there have been more of those games played at the beginning versus later like they do in spring training where they'll play maybe an inter-squad game uh, once or twice and then start the exhibition season. Well, they've done it now earlier or they did it earlier because I think they wanted the players to face live pitching to be able to get their bats started a much quicker than what they do in spring training. But I still say that if you have someone like Frankie Montas who can throw 90 to 100 miles an hour consistently, I think that's going to be beneficial for him and for the athletics because as good as the Angels' offense is going to be, maybe maybe not Anthony Rendon because of his rib cage may not be able to play. 
but with Trout and Pujols, Otani, I mean, Upton, they've got a very, very good lineup. But you could really take advantage of that lineup for having somebody like Montas throw. And you look at what he did in September coming off that 80-game suspension. He made that start against the Angels, and he was electric. And I think he's going to be that way. He learned a lesson, and uh, I think more power to him that he was able to do it. But uh, I think a hard thrower at the beginning is going to be very, very good for the athletics. But the depth is there. Lazardo coming out of the bullpen could be outstanding and then finish with Liam Hendricks. There's so many options that Bob Melvin and Scott Emerson are going to have coming into the season. It's going to be good. You know, the thing is, too, is the fact that these games are now on television, it's yeah. kind of given the players a little adrenaline back. It's just not some, you know, hey, we're playing some sim game. You know, once you put this thing on television and they know they're on TV, kind of gets the juices flowing. You know, you're right. I, I agree with you 100%. And, and, you know, along those lines, I think you're going to see the producers and directors of all the teams, for example, the 10 teams that the A's are going to be part of on the Western. They're, they're all working together to make sure that, you know, as we do this game tonight, we're going to have different feeds. And whenever the team goes on the road and we're televising from here at the Coliseum, we're going to be able to have, I think the Larry Lewis said, we'll have a designated camera for us. But you're right, you know, from a player standpoint, because now all of a sudden they're going to be highlights. They're going to be able to go home and watch this. They can look at the archive of the game and watch themselves. And, you know, there is that added incentive. Even though people might not be in the stands, they know that the game is being televised. And the fact that this is a worldwide game, as you know, Tony, that people around the world can pick up games. If they're traveling or if they're stationed someplace or they're living someplace, they can go on an app and watch a game live. So this is a worldwide game. And I agree with you 100% when it comes to those players showing their ability, it's going to be great. And the fact that they have to get out of the gate quickly. Did you hear my, did you hear Glenn last night talking about a five game losing streak in normal season? Is <laughs> I mean, that's scary. If you think about it, you know, you, you talk about pressure out of the gate, you know, from, from the standpoint of uh, trying to get off to good starting between the team, which you want to think about, but individually, I mean, it is something, it's almost kind of fun to think about how these players are going to approach this season, starting Friday night for the A's and Thursday night for what four teams, a couple of games are going to start, but uh, you know, it's going to be fun, but man, you're spot on when you're talking about the television and uh, you know, the ratings should be outstanding because people can't watch the games at the park. So they're, they're going to be tuned in. And uh, I think it's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, last night I was like, this is no big deal, but if this is a regular season game and you're losing, I'm panicking. I mean, cause it's like three yeah, losses. Yeah. One loss is like three losses. It's like, I mean, you can't, you can't have any type of bad run. If you have any type of bad run, Foss, your season's done. No, you're right. And as we talked before, Tony, when it comes to August 31st, those teams that get off to the slow start and somebody, you know, somebody's got to lose, you know, of the 15 games played daily, somebody's going to lose, obviously, but you know, you, you, it's going to be interesting to see what happens on August 31st. I think you mentioned about the, the trading line and maybe dumping of some salaries if teams don't believe that they can contend in September and, and into October, but you know, it is going to change quite a bit, but you know, that word sprint is being used and I don't think it's ever been used as much as it is this year, when you think about the season starting on the uh, the 24th of July, Tony, in all my years in baseball, and it's been great. I have to, to say that opening night, July the 24th, you know, <laughs> you, know you can't even, 
can't even imagine that that it's that it's happening that way. But you know, fortunately, the commissioner and baseball got together and uh, said we are going to play some baseball. And, and, and the, the great thing that I've seen and been able to read and hear as you have is the excitement of the players, the manager, the coaches. It, it's like it's midseason and and they're they're starting up and they're doing things they have to do to get ready for this shortened season. So I think it's going to be great. But again, I agree with you. Uh, every game is so important. Whereas, you know, you could lose 10 in a row during the regular season, win 10 in a row and you're even, not in a 60 game schedule. You cannot afford to do that. You can't afford to, to lose any. Hey, by the way, Tony, I'm sitting at the Coliseum and I said it last night. The strange thing is to look down at the dugouts to see tents above the visiting and the home dugout and down to the bullpen because there are players sitting there you know, during the game, because there's only so much room where players can sit in the dugout and to see players sitting in the stands like that, of course, there's nobody in the stands except the cutout, <laughs> but, but, but looking last night and I said, look, those guys are loosening up in the stands, you know, here, here's the, here's the, you know, guys running in the aisles of the stands. And there was one Giants player last night was up yes. in the upper concourse. You, you <laughs> showed the guy just walking around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. he, he must have been a pitcher knew he wasn't going to start or get in the game because he was wandering online like hey this is an empty stadium i'll do my exercises running steps and do whatever but but you know it, it's strange but it's still great to see baseball back and uh you know again i'm looking at all these monitors of uh, the giant stadium and while it is empty the a's are getting ready to start their batting practice and you know i've got all these monitors i don't know what i'm going to be looking at to be honest with uh with ken advance but it's going to be fun to uh, to do the games. And, you know, I thought the, the guys in the truck did a tremendous job last night um, producing, directing, and um, doing all the stats on the game last night against the Giants. And looking forward to a, a great season with NBC Sports Bay Area, NBC Sports California, that is, the Bay Area on the other side. But uh, looking forward to it. And it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Hey, hey, by the way, Tony, too, I'm looking at a monitor. It shows Giants with a bullpen out in left field and right field. How about that? Wow. Something new, something new. They actually really put bullpens in there after and, and looking down the right and left field line, there are no bullpens in play, uh, which is, I always said when we went over there, they forgot to put them in and they did actually, <laughs> Oh, we need a bullpen. And that's why all, all the players had to sit on, sit on the bench. And, and my suggestion was to, to put them out in the triples alley and, and looking at it. Uh, of course they have the brick wall. They had to go to the left of that, but, uh, yeah, their bullpens are out there, and uh, while it uh, still is a poke to hit a home run, at least they're out there beyond um, the playing area, and you don't have to – somebody got hurt. Uh, was it Mac Williamson? Uh, ran into the bullpen in San Francisco because it was so close to the field, and I think he hurt himself. Uh, this is a year or two ago, but they don't have to worry about that now in San Francisco, but uh, I'll make sure I mention that tonight for sure because I always like to do that. Ray, I will talk to you in about an hour. I look forward to it, Tony. You're a good man. Cody, how's Cody doing? Everything good with Commander? How you doing, Cody? I'm good, Ray. And it's it was uh, great to see you and hear you guys on TV last night. I'm looking forward to hearing you on Ace Cast tonight with Ken and Vince. So uh, enjoy. Well, don't forget the pregame, Ace Total Access. Ray will join me. That's true. Second, yeah, se- second segment. We got it all. We've got it all, Tony. And I love it. I enjoy talking to you. And, uh, Cody, I know you guys you guys do a great job over there. So just keep it going. And uh, baseball is back. And it was fun last night, fun tonight. But it starts for real on Friday. That's going to really, really be a lot of fun. Talk to you in an hour. Okay, my friend. Take care, buddy. Well, you know he's one of our favorites. Lou, how have you been? 
I can't complain. I've been pretty good. It's nice to be back in California. Uh, and it's nice to see teammates again and play some baseball. You know, I got to think for you, I mean, for, from a standpoint of just pitching where you're like, let's go. Like you want to get after guys. I know how uh, your mentality is. What has that been like for you getting back into camp? Uh, it's, it's, it's been nice. I've been, so for, for me, I've been uh, throwing to uh, to a net all, all break. So it's nice to finally have a, have a, have a catcher. Um, it's nice to face some hitters. It's just, it's been a, it's been nice to finally be back and, like I said, being back in the swing of things, even though things are a little different, it's still nice. You know, to be back with your guys and basically the the clubhouse. What I mean for you, what does that mean just to 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 be back in uniform, to have baseball, and to be back with the guys? Well, it's nice to have some sense of normalcy back. Like I said, it's a little different now. Um, you know, the you can't. You know, someone does something special. Everyone wants to give them a high five, like kind of dab them up, and you know that's discouraged. It's definitely different. Um, but like I said, it's just nice to finally be back with the guys uh, to kind of have, you know, baseball and sports back. Because I I don't know about anyone else, but even though I, I do like those classic games, I was getting sick and tired of watching just those classic games. On MLB and even all across sports, whether it's a fo- football games, basketball games, whatever. So it's nice to finally have sports back. You know, I walk in a locker room and I see I see t- uh, teams playing again. It's just it's just it's nice to be back. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, you're talking about the class. I love the classic games, but at some point, yeah. I want I want to see you throwing 98 miles an hour. I mean, as much as I <laughs> yeah, love and- classic games, I want to see you back on the mound. Yeah, it's it's nice to not know the outcome of every game, you know. Like I just, I wanna, I kind of wanna, I wanna ride that emotional roller coaster again. It's been too long. You know, when you think about yourself, like, like, how do you, how, how do you stay where you are mentally, physically? Because obviously, you can work out all you want, but at some point, you have to be ready to go. How have you, how have you stayed polished and and, and ready to make that happen? Um, I was, I'm very blessed, uh, to have a, a, a baseball academy that I helped run back home. So when this whole entire thing happened, I decided to go back home to spend time with family and, uh, and I had a baseball academy there and, and I was the only one there. So it's nice. I had, uh, I had, I had the weight room, uh, you know, I had lanes to throw baseball. So it was a little easier for me to stay on track. I was able to lift and do all that stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I, it it is a little different mentality wise because I know there are times where you know no one was sure if sports were to come back this year, so um, you know sometimes you 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 fought with uh, well should I even work out today what's what's the use but it's nice to finally you know it's nice that I was able to continue to work hard and uh, and we got baseball back and yeah so luckily I've been able to uh, for the most part stay as physically and mentally uh, sharp as possible. I mean, what is that like tonight? I mean, we're taping this earlier today. I mean, you potentially could be in a game tonight against San Francisco Giants. I mean, it's it's like ready to rock. Yeah, it's it's exciting. I don't know about you guys, but I'm freaking pumped. You know, <laughs> it's I I can't I can't wait. Yeah, this is this is big. I mean, it's it's been a while since I I remember having my own juices feel like this. Um, 
the fact that you're only going to have 60 games, what is that like for you when you know, I mean, you're obviously you're competing for a championship. We know how good the A's are. What is that like being in a shortened season? Uh, well, honestly, I, I don't, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, this is the only time will tell really, but I mean, we can anticipate what it's going to be like. I know it's going to be more of a sprint and there's going to, instead of, I'm not saying again, don't, don't, don't take me out of context here, but, uh, there's obviously there's no throwaway games, but at, uh, over the course of all uh, a regular season game, there's going to be games that don't nearly mean as much, you know, you're trying to get people into in, in rhythms, maybe, you know, a guy struggles and, and well, let's keep keep him in there, and he'll hopefully figure it out because we have a long season. Well, there's gonna be none of that this year. You know, you gotta you gotta come out hot, firing all cylinders, and and I think this is gonna go. This is gonna be a a very fun season for fans, especially to watch. I know no one can really watch it up up close in person, but you're gonna have teams that um that maybe don't have as good of a chance to make the playoffs and and, and go far, who aren't built for necessarily built for. Uh, a full season now that there's 60 games, you know, some teams can catch fire. Some people can catch fire. And I think it's going to be exciting uh, for a fan wise. It's going to be exciting game to, to watch. Uh, but I, I think we're, we're built for it too. I mean, we have, we have a phenomenal offense and obviously we have a, a great defense, good starting, a great starting rotation. I think a great bullpen. Um, so I, I feel like we have, we have a really good chance to go far and, and, uh, and, and, and hopefully win one this year. You know, I, I think of a guy like yourself who you're built to go more than one inning. And that, that's that got to be like an, an exciting thing for you that you know that when Bob Melvin gives you and Scott Emerson gives you the baseball, that you can go multiple innings. And now in the world we're in, we don't. I, I don't think we're going to see starters go as far. What is this like for you when you start talking about, you know, I mean, Give me the ball and let me go. Yeah, I mean, whatever Belmo wants me to do, I'm going to do it. That's if that's one inning every other day or two innings every other day, three, whatever it is. I mean, I'm 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 ready. I'm feeling good, um, and I'm hoping I'm hoping to contribute to a championship year. Yeah, I think about the the, the team that you have. You know, one of the great things that, and I, and I think that with the A's, when you talk 97 wins back to back years. People don't talk enough about how great the defense is behind you guys. Speak to that about how good the defense is. You know that the guys behind you are just spectacular. Yeah, I mean that you were going to use the you just used the word that I was going to use. I mean we have a spectacular defense. Chappie makes plays that some third baseman can only dream of. You know the fact that sometimes um, I was talking. I can't remember who I was talking to this the other day. Like that they they were talking about how amazing our defense was. And, and I was really thinking about how sometimes I take that for granted. I take, sometimes I take Chappy for granted and then all of a sudden I see him make a spectacular play. I'm like, okay, this guy is legit. And same with Olsen, same with Simeon, you know, it was everyone, everyone. It's, it's fun to play because, you know, you don't have to be perfect. You know that you don't have to strike everyone out. You know that if people put the ball in play, odds are it's going to be an out, you know? So, so, from a pitcher's perspective, it just makes life a lot easier, you know? You know, but I do think about your game, though. Uh, you're going to strike a lot of guys out. Uh, what is it like for you keeping that velocity up while you're going through a time like this and and, and, and you haven't had the opportunity to, to, to pitch to hitters? 
Uh, I mean, velocity, I think, is really important, but uh, but what's more important to me is life. I mean, for instance, let's take Liam. Liam, yes, he throws really hard, but there's there's games that he's just 93, 94, but he has really good life to the ball, you know, and, and he's still getting the same swing and misses than when he's 90, 99 to 100. You know, so for me, I'm I'm trying to get a, a good good life behind the ball, trying to stay behind the ball and and make it harder for hitters to hit. And uh, but yeah, velocity is important, especially to start off out of the gate with being 60 games. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to have that week or two lull period to where you're kind of still trying to feel it. So, you know, it's it like I said, it's going to be an interesting year, and and I'm excited. That's so fascinating when you talk about that, saying okay, so if I'm 94, 95 but I have more life to the baseball than if I like don't have that. And I'm still like 98. What exactly does that mean? So, so from, from a hitter's perspective, I mean, you got to realize that this the game's a little different. This, this, uh, like these last few years, everyone throws hard. It used to be where, I mean, when I got drafted in 2013, the average velocity was 89. Well, now it's 94. What was it in 18? It was 94.4 or something like that. So, Everyone throws hard now, so it's not a matter of you got to throw hard. You got to be different. So if you're trying to muscle up balls and tr- like I've I've been there when I'm 90, 98, 99, and people are still turning me around because I'm bailing out. They're seeing the ball early. I don't have that late life, that late action to it. Um, it's just there's a difference between having that late life at 98 and then having just a 98 mile an hour fastball. So. I know it's a little hard to explain, but there's a big, big difference. You got to be somewhat different nowadays because like I said, everyone throws hard. You know, you have to have, you have to have movement and you have to have that late burst um, behind. And that's why you hear a lot of pitchers. I know I talk about it almost too much, but I'm trying to stay behind the ball as best I can, which creates late life, which creates that late hand speed. So it's just, it's all, it's all very interesting. But like I was saying, you just got to be a little different than than just the average 94.4 you know you gotta you gotta have that late license very very important well i can tell you this i i, I know i'm i'm gonna have my cardboard cut out sitting in the stands looking at you guys uh, i i can't wait to see baseball again and i gotta think for someone like yourself i mean what does this mean william on this what does this mean just Put the uniform on to get back out competing. What does this mean for someone like yourself? I mean, it means a lot. You know, it's something that I've worked very, very hard, and people like me have worked very hard. You know, I've sacrificed a lot to be where I'm at today, and, and I'm, I'm beyond blessed that God's blessed me with the ability to play baseball and to play at the highest levels. So it's just nice to be able to do what you're kind of meant to do. You know, I'm not saying I was lost at home, but it just, you know, you, you, I'm 28 years old, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm in the prime. I'm in the prime years of my, my life, baseball wise, and it and it was it was frustrating that I couldn't play baseball, doing something I absolutely loved. And you know, my family couldn't watch me. You know, my friends couldn't watch watch the A's. I know because my, my my family are. I personally love my family. Obviously, that's that's uh, that's obvious. But I mean, they they watch every single game, and you got to realize they're on the East Coast, where when I get in, it's 11:30, and they got to get up at six for work. So. They love watching baseball. They love watching me play. So it's nice to finally be able to play again and have my family watch and and then be around the guys again. It's just, you know, it's it, it's nice to have baseball back and and sports overall. You know, one of the things we've we've loved doing here on Ace Cast Live is 
bringing on familiar voices and your voice, obviously very familiar. We've loved having you on the program over the years and uh, it's great to have you on. It's great to talk to you. Good luck. I mean, this is going to be a very interesting time, 60 games. It's a total sprint and uh, you're going to be a big part of this. And we can't wait to watch. You know, you know, you're making me feel old. You know, I still feel like a rookie. I, I feel like I just got here in 2018, and now now you're telling me that, oh, you're the constant voice over the years. You're making me feel really old. And then as I have a mirror, I'm looking. I see some gray beards in my hair, too, so, you know, uh, uh, or some gray hair in my beard. So it's actually making it uh, – yeah, you're right. I am, I, I am getting old. <laughs> but – yeah, you're, I'm actually, excited. You're, you're, you're becoming like a veteran guy now, Lou. I know it's it's weird. It's weird, <laughs> but yeah, it's, yeah, I'm excited though. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, Chad Pender was going to be playing second base tonight against the Angels, but of course, he can play anywhere on the diamond. How have you been? It's been a long time. How, how's life treating you? Life's good, man. I mean, we're out here. We, we've got through the you know the first hurdle of of summer camp and we got through that, you know, relatively smoothly. Um, you know, so life's good. I'm just, uh, just hanging out, getting ready to get to the ballpark and get ready for this opening night. You know, you can't put everybody in a bubble, but what was it like for the players to talk to each other? Basically said, you know, we got to stay safe to make this thing work. What was, what were those original conversations like with your teammates? As far as just getting the season going, yeah, to making sure, you know, people are going to be wearing masks and people aren't going to bars and, you know. Yeah, just- I, that was just an internal conversation we had. Um, obviously, we laid it all out there like, you know, this isn't going to work if, if we're out going to the bars or if we're going out to restaurants where there's a ton of people. So, I mean, from from the from the, from the the jump, everybody knew that there was going to be a ton of sacrifice. Um and, you know, this is just the beginning, you know, it's not going to be easy. You know, we're going to be traveling. Um, we don't even know what that's going to be like. That's going to be an adjustment. Spring training was an adjustment. Uh, we're, we're just going to find out what it's like during a game day. Um, so there's going to be a bunch of things thrown at us over the next week or so. And heck, the next two months uh, where we are going to have to make adjustments. So um, and a lot of sacrifice. So. Those were topics of conversation early on, and, and so far, so good. Um, but, you know, there's there's a lot a lot of uh, bridges to cross here soon. Yeah, the travel's going to be interesting, but I think it's going to be nice, though. I mean, it's you're playing 30 games on the road. Your only long flights are going to be to Texas. Everything else yeah. is going to be on the West Coast. How nice is that going to be? Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes for easier travel. Um not longer nights, you know, that part, I think, I think you're right. That part will be uh, a little smoother um, in terms of not having to do the cross country stuff and kind of keeps you local as far as, you know, um, you know, other play. I mean, I guess that's not even true. You know, you have Texas popping up as a hot spot and you got Arizona popping up as a hot spot. Um, But, you know, the travel will be easier on us. You know, I think about your game right now and just, you know, the versatility as an athlete, you know, because I, you know, a lot of us, you know, we, we, we think about you as a shortstop, but you can play anywhere on the diamond. You know, how has that adjustment been for you? And now you're starting at second base, but just how has that been for you knowing that you're showing up one day, you could be in right field, one day you could be at second base. I mean, you know, if something happened to Marcus, you could be at short. I mean, what's that been like for you? 
I mean, it, it's it's been fun first and foremost. It's been really really fun to be able to uh, to work at all those spots and do that in the big leagues. I, I consider that a blessing and an honor uh, to to be a part of that to be a part of our team in that role. Um, you know, it's it keeps you on your toes to say the least. You know, like you never know where you're going to get your work that day, and which makes it even more important that you keep your work efficient. Um, and not overtaxing, whether it be taking too many ground balls or going on the outfield, because they are different movements. And I don't think a lot of people realize that, that, you know, the way you run or, or maneuver the infield is totally different than how you do in the outfield. And that can tax your body a little bit. Um, so just knowing your workload and, and knowing when to get reps and getting efficient reps, um, all while trying to stay, you know, relatively uh, comfortable at each position. Um, makes for a little bit of a roller coaster sometimes, but it's something that I do really enjoy. I do love it. Um, you know, I enjoy showing that versatility because I do pride myself on just being a baseball player, just playing the game. You know, I've just always loved playing the game no matter where I'm at out on the field. And that, that goes as far back as little league, you know, I've just always liked just going out to the ball field. So, uh, you know, I really enjoy it. Statcast loves you in the outfield. They they think you get arguably the best jumps of anybody on the team. How much outfield did you play before ever getting to Major League Baseball? Oh man, um, I played maybe ten games or so um, my freshman year in college. Split between left and right, um, but that's really about it. Um, you know, there, there's not a big background in the outfield for me. Um, <laughs> basically, you know, learned it on the fly, you know, with the help of uh, Tate and Rhino and, um, you know, a few other staff members just, you know, positioning. Um, you know, I think kind of what I do in the outfield kind of mimics a lot of, you know, prep steps in the infield as far as when the ball's entering the zone, which I think does help out with my read sometimes. Um, you know, so trying to track the ball into the, into the, uh, you know, where I think contact point would be to, you know, get a fly ball to left field or whether that, you know, it's a little easier to see it from the left side when the left is hitting from left field. If you're seeing the ball enter the zone, um, just to pass their bat would have to take two contact points. So then you can kind of, you know, basically almost cheat to a spot. Um, which I think helps sometimes. Um, and it's all just reading reading the ball off the bat and, and reading angles and um, things that I think people don't realize you can do every single day in batting practice by getting reads. But then that's that's the the ultimate way outfielders, I think, get better um, is just being out there during batting practice. You know, there's not much you can do in, in the way of drill work. I mean, you can work on footwork and transfers and stuff for, you know, bang bang plays where you're throwing guys out but ultimately you're going to get your reads uh during live during bp you know when when guys are actually swinging so um i think those are things that when i do have the opportunity to be in the outfield i i, I pride myself on, on you know getting those quality reps during batting practice and and being prepared that way you know it's crazy i mean you play you, you play a few games at virginia tech as a freshman and the next thing you know, you're in a big league outfield. I mean, that doesn't happen too often. It's a yeah. it's really, it's a great story. And then now you're starting at second base tonight. How comfortable are you there? 
yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable there. You know, I'm, I've been an infielder my whole life. Um, you know, there are things that obviously, you know, I want to get better at. Um, I tell people this often, you know, when I get in a groove at a position, you know, if you come up to me after playing a few weeks of playing left field, what my favorite position is, I'm going to say left field because I'm the most comfortable there. I'm in a, I'm in a groove. I'm in, I'm in the flow. Um, you know, if I play second base for a month, I'm going to tell you second base because I'm comfortable there. Um, so I am comfortable at second base. Um, there are things that I'm still working on because, you know, I don't want to be just okay. You know, I, I don't want to just be a, you know, a fill in, you know, I, I, when I play a position, I want to be exceptional and I want to be, uh, relied upon. I don't want to be, you know, just, um, you know, up to par, you know, I want to be better. I want to continue to, to grow at that position. And, and I think that's going to be a focal point this year. And, you know, with, with such a short season, um, it'll be interesting to see where the playing time plays out and where ultimately where I'll get most of my reps. Um, but if it is at second base, you know, there is growth, you know, and I think people don't realize when you play a position every single day, you really do get into a routine, you get into a groove and, and you get, um, you get, um, a lot of reps, game reps are, you know, in the infield are the only way you're going to get better. Um, so I think, uh, you know, if I get reps there and continue to grow, um, I'm excited for that. And 60 games in 66 days. I mean, you guys are used to playing for months on end. It's now two months. We're finding yeah, out yeah. now there's going to be 16 playoff teams. So more than half the league is going to make the playoffs. I mean, like when you wake up today, just like how wild is all of this? Yeah, I mean, it definitely feels surreal you know because if you asked me two months ago I didn't know where we would be you know with the virus and being here and then you know we get here and you're going you're we all we're all going in blind we're, we show up to a, a summer camp where you know we don't know if things are going to work out or how things are going to play out or who's going to have the virus or how many people are going to be out or and then you don't know if people are going to you know get the virus during summer camp which thankfully we didn't have anybody um but um you know, it is, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Let, let, let's end on this. You guys truly have one of the best teams in major league baseball. I mean, back to back years, one in 97 games. I know when I was down at spring training, I saw the confidence in the team going into this season. What do you think this is going to be like for you and your teammates? Cause I know expectations are high. Yeah. You know, I, expectations certainly are high. Um, we know what we have in our clubhouse. We know the type of baseball we can play. Um, and we just have to take care of business. I mean, we, we have to play, you know, what, how we're capable of, because like you said, it's 60 games. Um, anything can happen. You know, any team can go on a, on a stretch where they're on fire and they're winning games. You know, any team can, you know, one week of one, one week losing streak is, you know, a crippling, you know, so, you got to take care of business, um, but also not put too much pressure on that. You know, just just play our game, play our team game and, you know, go out there and play for each other, support each other and, um, you know, do do what we're capable of. You know, I've never wanted to, ba- want to see a baseball game more in my life than today. I've missed it so much. And uh, 
good luck to you this season. Stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, go out and have a lot of fun because this is going to be this is well, going to be a wild ride. We will for sure. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Well, it is always great to have the All Star on, and we know what what kind of year. It's going to be for him as he's going to be in a lot of these games. There's only 60 of them, but he's going to be in a lot of them. Liam Hendricks joins us here on A's Cast Live. How are you? We missed you. I've been good. Uh, just, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm getting ready for 60 games, uh, depending on how many I pitch in. It could be 60. It could be uh, however many. But, uh, yeah, well, I think we're going to rely pretty heavily on the bullpen to start off with. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to get the season underway. So this isn't crazy. To Cody and I have been talking about this how potentially we could see a closer like yourself, uh, whoever is on a good team, factor in, I don't know, in 30 of the 60 games. You know, when we think about the MVP, uh, Dennis Eckersley won an MVP. Raleigh Fingers won an MVP. I could see someone like yourself having 20-something saves, X amount of wins. I could see you factoring into a lot of games. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think if, uh, if there's ever a time for a reliever to get uh, into the Cy Young or MVP or anything like that conversation, I think right now would be uh, about as good a, a good a year as you can do it. I mean, you're going to get guys into the possibility of 40 games, depending on how everything goes, because every game counts for three right now. So it's uh, no days off, that's for sure. By the way, you scared the hell out of me last night when you barehanded that ball. Oh, come on now. I grew up playing cricket. It's all good. <laughs> Whenever I see that, I go, oh, my God, don't break your hand. Please don't break your hand. Um, well, but there's I, so much gold on the infield. I'm trying to get my own little piece of history right there, you know? To how just how great was it for you just to put the uniform on and get back out and play it? Well, it was really cool playing against someone that isn't our own team. <laughs> I mean, that was that was nice. I mean, it's, it's all well and good pitching against your own guys. You get a little bit of bragging rights here and there, but there's no real – kind of adrenaline rushes when you're going up against other people and especially when it's on TV because you have an opportunity to not make a fool of yourself and that's uh, that's about as good of a bonus as you can say that that was also was saying the other day well yesterday before the game is like look now everyone can see if I strike out so I got to not strike out and it counts for every strike I counts for three of them now so we got to make sure we do all right so the fact that the game was on television and you have, I mean, you have no fans, so obviously that's going to be weird, but the fact that the game was on television, that gave you, that you think that gave everybody a little juice? Uh, the game was on TV. The game was against the giants. And you always want to do well against those, just the, uh, the city rivalry going on. But I mean, if you squint really hard, those cutouts look actually pretty real. So other than <laughs> the fact that we've got the, we've got all of MLB network analysts sitting in the same section, which is never going to happen. Oh man, it's great. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of yeah. They're, 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 I I guess I've watched so much of the Korean baseball league that I'm used to no fans now. But yeah, it was kind of like odd uh, the camera angle, and of course you're pitching, you're seeing it. Uh, you know, just seeing all these cardboard <laughs> cutouts, it's pretty bizarre. Yeah, it's definitely weird. I mean, you you definitely turn around in the bullpen looking up and. I mean, the creepiest part was there was a security guard that was sitting like right behind them, the cutouts near the bullpen yesterday. And so you'd be looking up, you'd, you'd glance up, you'd see the cutouts, and you're like, okay, they're all cutouts. And then you see one of them move. And it was a little weird because the security guard was like readjusting himself or just moving around, like walking around. You're like, now I'm thinking that it's all the cardboard cutouts are moving and it's just a creepy movie. 
<laughs> the cutouts come alive. That would be uh, oh. that would be pretty funny. You know, when I think, as you mentioned, and it's real, it's like every game is really like two point seven games. How much have you guys talked about the the urgency of you got to win and you got to win right away? Yeah, we haven't really spoken too much about. It. I think everyone's of the uh, like everyone knows that it's going to be an interesting year. How everything plays out, and I think. Um, but the the good thing about it is like the way you the way you have to look at it is you have to put those silver linings and everything, and you have to look at it like okay, a win is three wins. Don't worry about the losses. That 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 that's neither here nor there. But a win is three wins. A save is three saves. A strikeout is three strikeouts, and a home run is a is three home runs if as a hitter, not as a pitcher. It doesn't count as a pitcher. But um, yeah, that's the way everyone's looking at it. Like, look, everything positive we do times by three, and that's where we're at. I think it's just that's the way everyone's mindset needs to go into this. Not uh, sitting there contemplating the negatives, but always just focusing on the positives and and moving forward with every statistic that is good. It gets it gets times by three, and we're we're all we'll be laughing all the way to the bank. You know, earlier we uh, we we talked to Sean Maniac because he donated a bunch of meals uh, like yourself, but he did for the EMTs and in San Francisco. His girlfriend works uh, for an ambulance company, and we were talking to him about staying in shape. And then, obviously, I mean, watching him yesterday go out and throw five innings. You know, we were talking about where you know are we are we hoping that starters are going to get three innings? I mean, I I think you guys are more in pitching shape than people really believe. Just talk about what you did during this off time to, 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 to keep your arm in shape. Uh, so I started off by two weeks in the spring, or two weeks in the quarantine, training my oblique. So I definitely didn't put too much mileage on my arm, which is good. Um, so I was rehabbing that for most of the, most of the, uh, the break. And, uh, yeah, so I was able to play catch. I, st- I stuck around in Arizona just because I had someone to play catch and I had a mound to use. Then that went out the window when I hurt myself. But um, yeah, it was just, I mean, throwing and doing all that. And then the most exercise I really did was walking back and forth between the kitchen and the couch. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't do too much to begin with. I, uh, I like, I've, I've gotten to the point where I know what I need to do to get ready for a season, but it's always, it was such a different period of time because during the off season, I'll take two weeks off and then start throwing again. Where this time I was forced to take three or four weeks off just due to the fact I strained my oblique and I couldn't throw. How did you strain it? Well, like everyone else, just trying to throw too hard. I was at uh, I was at a place where I was throwing a bullpen, and right next to you, there's a leaderboard of velocities from the Rap Soda. And so I'm sitting there, I'm looking at him like, okay, 97 point something or other. Like I think I can get to that. Um, <laughs> so I got to 96. I got to 96 that day, and then the next 96.3 actually, just to be specific. And then the guy I played catch with was Mark Zepchinski from uh, our old teammate from 2016. And he was throwing his pens. I'm like, okay, I want to throw my slider as hard as possible. And that's where it went really downhill. <laughs> so I had a slider at 91, and I was like, okay, I need to get to 92 just to be, like create a little bit of breathing room. And then uh, pulled down a little too hard with my front side and didn't end well. But we're all backed and healthy and ready to go now. Well, that slider you got, it, 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 the way it drops versus going from right to left, a couple inches like a normal slider, your slider really reacts almost like a, what would we call it, a split-finger fastball where your slider just drops. How do you make it do that? I think it's just natural talent. Uh, no, I got no idea. I think it's um, 
the way I've gripped it and the way I've done it in the past, I'm so on top of the ball. And I'm so focused on trying to get that four seam backward spin that I'm trying to tunnel it as much as I can. So I'm a little bit higher than your average Joe. And I get, um, I just, I'm able to get on top of the ball a little bit more. And that's what I found that it has the latest, the, the, the sharpest and latest break. And that's, uh, I mean, that's all you're looking for. I, I'll sacrifice like movement in inches to get that little bit, like a little bit later of a break because, I mean, the later the break, the harder it is to pick up. So that's just uh, the way I've the way I've figured it out. It's just uh, I can get a little bit more side to side if I change the grip a little bit. I can uh, just manipulate the ball a little bit. But what I found that works best for me and the one that uh, I'm pretty focused on trying to recreate this year is that uh, that late biting one that goes down and then. Uh, yeah, it's just a, just that changing of the grip and making sure it comes out of the hand the right way, which is a which is a challenge when you miss some time because it's such a it's not a feel pitch, but it's a feel pitch. Well, I think about you know like when you first came into baseball to where we are today. As you mentioned, Rap Soto, uh, they've been using TrackMan. They're now going to Hawkeye in Major League Baseball. Just the technology has changed since you entered pro ball. How much does it help you, and how much do you use it? Well, I would have loved this when I was a starter with the Twins. I mean, coming up through the minor leagues, you had to chart. You had to sit in the stands in the baking sun in Florida for an extended spring training game with a radar gun with no shade, nothing that you're just sitting in the sun for three hours a day, and all you're doing is writing the velocities down. So I would have loved stuff like this in the minor league places. But uh, now I use it a decent amount, but it's, it's not so much to check the data as it is to compare. So I'm like more of a comparing from what I've done. Like I have a guy that I send all the data to and I let, and I just say, look, don't tell me if it's exactly the same. Is there anything different and what can cause that differences? And so there was a couple of times last year where I actually got a little bit too high on the ball. And so I created a little bit too much uh, kind of horizontal movement, which I don't want. And talk to him sending the data. He's like, yeah, you got a little bit higher on the ball. So just, Feel like you drop down a little bit and uh you'll be back back in gold and all of a sudden drop down and it uh it gave me that life back on the fastball so it's just i use it as more of a uh comparable to make sure i'm in the right spot in the right zone like frame of mind and everything rather than using it as like oh well i need to improve my spin rate to this guy and all this all this other stuff that uh, some people kind of can get bogged down in a little bit you know it is fascinating too because you know the simple stuff i you know like for you getting back to, to playing long toss was something that brought your fastball back. So it's like you have the new technology and you have the old school. You've kind of incorporated both into your game. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, been part of both periods. I mean, I came up with the old school stuff where it's just the radar gun. And if you if you lit up, lit up the radar gun, it was great. But if you didn't, it was judged on how you're making guys swings. I mean, I for whatever reason, my velocity has always played up a little bit, even when I was a starter. Like, I would be 90, 92, but it would play up a little bit and I'd get some late swings on that sort of stuff. So I feel like if the analytics were around when I was coming up, it would have been, I think it would have been beneficial to me, but it wasn't around and you kind of went on the, the feel of it and you weren't able to quantify it as much as you can these days. But yeah, we, we're using Hawkeye right now, which is supposed to be a little bit more accurate. Um, I think there's been some issues with the calibration. I know that, uh, the velocity of that at the Coliseum hasn't been quite spot on. I think uh, the hitters are going up there thinking that everything is a couple miles slower than uh, a couple miles faster than the radar gun says. Um, I'd like that because I threw a fastball at 91 yesterday. And so I want to make sure that's at least 93 because that makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> but 
yeah, I think once we get once we get it all figured out, it's going to be a little bit more accurate than TrackMan was. I think it's, there's uh, there's more. I shouldn't say accurate. There's more that goes into it. There's a little bit more of a biometric scanning stuff that they're able to kind of pinpoint if you're doing something differently body wise. Uh, you're able to kind of la- figure out where your foot lands and the drive and everything like this. So there's there's a lot more the data that goes into it. And uh, obviously, if anyone's ever watched tennis, Hawkeye is the thing that tells you if it's in or out. And obviously, that's a that's a pretty solid piece of machinery right there. So hopefully, we can incorporate something like that for our video replays as well. You know, I don't know if I'm overplaying this or not, but I just think uh, the fact that other than Texas and Houston, you're playing basically everything in the West Coast. It's going to be far less travel, easy flights to Los Angeles and San Diego. Uh, does this? Do you think that's a big deal, that the fact that you're, you, the mileage you guys normally travel won't even be close to what it normally is? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're still top four. For travel in the league, um, like it, I think it goes to two teams, the two Texas teams, Seattle and then us. So um, we get a little bit of a reprieve on travel because I think we're meant to play the NL East this year. But then again, I was excited about going to the new Braves Stadium because I hadn't been there yet. So, so you take everything with a grain of salt. But yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be great to play uh, the West. Uh, I've never been to Colorado before. Um, that'll be my first time. I've never been to Arizona other than uh, the Futures game when I was part of the world team. And then. Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I was actually just texting Blake Trinan, who pitched for the Dodgers last night. So it'll be uh, we get a chance to see him again, which uh, which will be interesting. Obviously, his uh, the the couple of years he had here were uh, were drastically different, and hopefully he's figured it out again. And uh, and hopefully it just doesn't work out against us. But hopefully he's figured it out for himself and his career and everything. But uh, yeah, I'm excited about playing the West. I'm excited about sticking around. And my biggest thing is I just hope guys don't do anything stupid on the road. Um, I mean, obviously, I've got uh, I got some health issues going on, so I want to make sure that everything everyone takes the necessary precautions, and and we can kind of wear masks whenever we can, and we can uh, we can ride this thing out and get all sixty games and full playoffs in without uh, without any issues. Yeah, that I mean, cross our fingers, knock on wood. That's uh, hopefully uh, what will get done. Did you get a chance to go back home at all? Uh, so I went home this off season. Uh, yeah, I went home. Um, Went back to Australia for a little bit down there, and then uh, had a nice little off season. Like nice little off season, we did uh, Hawaii with my wife and my wife and I, and then a couple of friends were there, and then went to Australia, and then we spent a couple of days in Sydney. So we walked along the Sydney Harbour Bridge, which was awesome. We did uh, some of the sightseeing stuff that I don't get a chance to do. Like even as a kid, being on the West Coast, you don't really get a chance to do that. So it was nice doing that, and then uh, I felt like I was getting locked in in spring training, and then uh, then everything happened, but. It's uh, it's good to see sports all around the world are coming back. Obviously, the uh, the English Premier League's been playing, the Australian Football League's been playing, the uh, the NHL starts up on the the first of August. Uh, there's the talks about the NBA and the NFL coming back. So I think it's just it's going to be bring a little bit of normalcy back, and it's going to kind of limit everything that's going on in in the country right now. Is having the access to sports to be able to watch everything, and it's just getting back into that a little bit of a normalcy. Let's end on this because I've asked everybody this, you know, during this pandemic, a lot of people have been doing a deep dive on a lot of different things, whether it's like Netflix or Hulu or whatever. What have you and your wife been doing? What have you been locked into during during the off time? I mean, we've had a lot. So we were I was lucky in the fact that my wife had set up uh, it, it was an app called House Party. And so they they'd get on there every Friday night and it would be just one of those things where they just she gets on with a couple of friends and they just sit there and it's 
it's like a house party. So they just sit there and talk and that's usually what that was my excuse to play video games and just get away from everything. And we could have that kind of separation together, but we've, uh, yeah, I was doing that. She was doing her thing. And then we got deep into 90 day fiance and below deck. And then we just watched the, uh, the formula one documentary on Netflix. That was really, really interesting. Cause one of the Australian drivers from my hometown, uh, we're watching dead to me right now. Um, yeah, we've, we've bounced around a lot of things. I mean, it's, that's the good thing about like my wife is there's no real genre that she is like she doesn't like or anything. So it's just we've bounced around between reality, between drama, between comedy, between everything. So it's been uh, it's been an interesting time just kind of flip flopping between different uh, different TV shows and then the books I've been reading and then uh, everything going on. So we were able to kind of diversify our interests, which was nice. Well, I know for a lot of A's fans, it's good to hear your voice. And it's good to talk to you again. And uh, good luck in the season. We'll be talking to you soon. Really looking for these these 60 games are going to go by fast. And uh, and I expect a uh, a great season from you. It's going to be really interesting. I mean, you, we already need to tamp down your expectations a little bit. Let's just hope <laughs> for a healthy season right now. I mean, uh, we don't want to put anybody's words in their mouth. But, no, we're, we're going out there trying to do what we can. But uh, – yeah, we're excited to have these sixty games in sixty-six days, which will be uh, which will be nice and fun because we never get any days off. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But we're just chomping at the bit to get back to playing and getting back in into that routine of uh, of our normal lives of what we do every day. So I've already got one little figurine built. I built my first guy yesterday, a little Tasmanian devil. So I'll make sure to share some photos of the uh, the stuff I've been building in my little nano block collection. Hey, you're the best. Be well, be safe, and we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Danny. Thanks for having me. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.